0: Good morning, class. Welcome to Art Eater podcast number 34. Uh, I'm your host, Richmond, and uh, I'm really excited about today's podcast. Uh, so I'm here today uh, with my co host, Sean. Hello. Uh, and our special uh, regular guests, uh, James. Hey, how's it going? And Adam.
1: What's up, everybody? Hey.
0: All right, right. Oh uh, man, I'm super excited for, for today's topic. Um, so today we're going to be talking about our favorite fighting game characters. So this this is a, a huge topic. Um, I mean, all of us are, 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 lifelong fighting game fans. We've done several podcasts on, uh, you know, uh, various fighting game series, classic ones like, uh, Guilty Gear. Um, you know, we've talked about King of Fighters, Darkstalkers, and, uh, today I think we're, we're, we're just gonna, just gonna freestyle it. We're just gonna talk about our favorite characters for, for various reasons. You know, just, all, there's so many great characters out there. Um, I'm sure... Each of us probably has like dozens of characters, but um yeah, let's let's just jump right into it. Who who wants to start?
1: I, I gotta get in I, there.
2: Okay,
0: you wanna get in there?
1: Right. I, I gotta get in there real quick. Okay. All right, so do it. you, you, you do it, and, do it. okay. Awesome. So we mentioned Guilty Gear just very quickly and off the cuff a character jumped out of my heart really really fast so as um one of the greatest uh people to listen to about guilty gear one mr margin obama said we don't play characters for no reason we play characters because they represent a part of who it is that we are he asked someone called sean why they play pretend why they play potemkin and he said you play potemkin because you are potemkin and I, but it, it, he said that the other day and like it hit me in like in the chest and i was like wow like there are three of my favorite characters from guilty gear one is uh, one of the main characters that's kai kai kiesk Like, he is such an amazing character in so many different ways. He's one of the kind of lead... He's one of the literal leads of the series in the fact that he's one of the main two characters. And he is a tall, blonde character with piercing blue eyes, cool blue-white jacket and sword, and he utilizes electric-type attacks, and he is a really interesting one for you to play as. He's kind of like the Ryu of the game, in a sense, where he is... um, he's someone that has a lot of different capabilities but he's someone that when you when you were first playing the game people would say oh this is a character which you should probably pick up but in another way as well like i sort of gravitated towards him after playing another character which was a dude called Zappa. but he he just seemed so he, he seemed so basic in one sense but also like his air options his length and his reach with his sword he's a character with quite a large reach with with um a button which which we call a five um five s which is just like a it's just a large like poke button it's it's really really quite cool but yeah like we use this character in so many different ways. He's got really good air options. He's really, really good for shooting people out of the air. He's really good. He has this move called Greed sever which is one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> it's a very silly move where you just sort of do like a front flip and hit someone over the head with your sword and he has this really sick electric green blue animation that comes off of him and he leaves like after images with his sword as well. It give it grants you um it grants you like a bounce off the ground in um guilty gear xx so that's the first version of the game that I played him in. So yeah after playing that and after playing as him I just got super super into it. And also if you would like if you can Google this just try googling like Kaikisk uh Daisuke Ishiwatari art and then just just Google that. Daisuke Shrutari, the series creator, has done some beautiful pieces, and most of them obviously they feature Kai, but there are so many that I've seen, especially one where he's kind of, I think it's a conflicted Kai against the wall, looking like he's having a really rough time with his hand on his face and in his hair, like it just shows such um, grief and such, such loss, this is a very conflicted character who has to battle with a lot of different really tough moral decisions he becomes a king at one stage but he realizes that he's a puppet king so he kind of you know doesn't get to actually be himself as a leader but then again like his whole idea and his his whole concept it, it revolves around like justice and um also this thing which he has on his belt which is literally just the word hope which is contrasting to a uh, with uh, Saul's um, band where his where he says free, I believe. But yeah, like I think it's really really cool. He's a great character and he's one of my favorites. So I wanted to get him in there really quickly. Yeah, I also Stunned is great.
3: Yeah, I wanted to plus one that as well. Um, uh, for for me, it's like what you said about uh, seeing your, yourself and stuff. This one uh, actually was triggered by something Richmond said, but I actually think I I gravitated to him as well because I've always kind of played. Uh, In, in most like D and D settings and I played like paladins, like holy knights, And, um, I, I never traced it back too much to like my, my, my upbringing as in Catholic. I'm not, I'm no longer Catholic, but, um, I, I am of course now, uh, still. You know, it's part of my my, uh, my background and whatnot. And I've always kind of been drawn to, like, holy knights or the, these kind of characters that uh, have a very kind of noble approach and purpose to them. And I feel like uh, Kai does that, but I think his, his evolution to kind of what AJ was talking about uh, also felt that way to me as well. Like... Uh, <clears throat> You, you know, like, he he is uh, getting more mature over time, he's getting less, like, uh, baseline holy, like, he, you know, he has a more modern kind of look to him uh, nowadays, like, that kind of thing, like, he's becoming disillusioned with, uh, to some degree, the, the Holy Order that he joined, but he's still, like, got goodness in his heart and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also as well, like within his own story, he has a whole lot of different struggles where this is kind of like spoilers for some people, I suppose. But in the world of Guilty Gear, there are humanoid or humanoid in a sense, but there are like anthropomorphic and sort of basically human looking gears. Dizzy is one of those. That's a character who is related to another main character, we'll say. And he ends up marrying this, um, this gear. And in that in this world, you're not supposed to do that. So obviously, you know, you don't you can't really control who you fall in love with, but he has to in a sense kind of hide her away from like, you know, the areas and the the powers that be that would obviously not want this to happen. So like I really I really like that this person who has been a goody two-shoes in a sense kind of you know always following the rules always you know being one who used to be so quick to judge sort of growing and changing and becoming more mature over time and then also having you know their own real life problems like the way that we fall in love that you you can't control this obviously and living in a world like that there are very there are very real parallels with like that and like our you know real world history like there, were, there are places in the real world where you never used to be able to, you, you never used to be able to marry whoever you wanted. And in, in lots of places you still cannot do so, which is unfortunate. But it echoes the fact that like, when people want to find a, a partner and when people want to fall in love and when people want to just live their own life like they face so many struggles and a lot of that is evident in Kai's decision to you know go against the grain and the social status quo and then eventually you know go on to father a child who in essence becomes a kind of um uh the the embodiment of like uh of, of a of an angry child at a parent who's a bit misunderstood so like he kind of tries to do his best to like to 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 send him away and like have like some else raise him because he can't like have him at that moment in time but at the same time he still feels lots of grief about that he still feels lots of you know like shame and disappointment and they, there's a song that exists in um guilty gear like i think it's overture and also rev 2 and it's one of my favorite guilty gear songs of, of all time um sin sin uh who is a uh, kai's son and um kai himself like they both have they both have uh, multiple themes and uh Kai and he, they share a theme together and it's called communication. I um, I would implore anyone listening to this, like when you get time after the podcast is over, like Google um, communication, like song, uh, Guilty Gear, and then just have a listen to it. It's one of the best Guilty Gear songs, in my opinion. And it really sort of, it, it sounds like a, it sounds like a conversation between two, not just people, but like emotions and feelings. A kind of like a, who is my father really? And then how do I help my son, like, you know, understand me and like love me? how do i how do i help someone else in a way that i've not been able to do even though I was supposed to do so as a father, but at the same time, like how can I try and like move on from that, but in, do so in like a healthy way? How do I fix, you know, past and prior mistakes? How do we, you know, how do we talk? How do we communicate as a father and son? And that's what the song's all about. And that's what their relationship's all about. So I think it's, um, he's a really cool character. And he's very multifaceted. He goes uh, he goes against the sort of traditional good boy, very boring type type of uh, typecast character that he could have been, but isn't. Yeah. That that song actually makes its debut in Guilty Gear Two. That, that <laughs> yeah, Guilty Gear Two. This is cool.
0: Awesome. Sorry,
1: go ahead, uh,
3: He
0: he was started off as a pretty straight edge character right in the very first mm-hmm. game.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, I was also going to mention. Uh, I don't know if it's his theme anymore, but his theme in the first two games was called. Uh, the subtitle is uh, "Be Just or Be Dead." Yeah. Uh, like. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, no no he's he's definitely uh started off as super like orthodox religious straightforward yeah Um, i think it's even a thing a part of his character that even his his hair grows very quickly i i I don't know the the part of the story but that's also something that's very interesting at the variations of his character like in the strive version where he has short hair it actually says a lot about that because he has to actively keep his hair that short. Uh, but it used to be, I think, a mark of the Sacred Knight. What's the Holy Order of Knights called in, in Guilty Gear? It's called the uh, Sacred oh, Order of Holy Knights,
1: Oh Night, yeah, yeah, I see, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes. So I think that's also a mark of their order is to uh, is to keep their, their hair long, so. But but yeah, no, he, he's definitely, I think they've definitely added a lot more nuance to, to his character, like, over time. I think originally it wasn't, uh, it was meant to be more of an archetypical type of character absolutely he's got a very like honestly very similar kind of approach to the way that captain america ended up being fleshed out like very starts off very goody two shoes very like uh i don't know why i drew this parallel on my mind but like captain america was also meant to be like a very patriotic character and then over time and even the the kind of the the context of the world around the comics uh captain america starts becoming you know again disillusioned with uh what he saw as the religion he bought into uh, you know american patriotism but he's still like such a good guy at heart and he cares about peace and justice and he but he's not afraid to go up against like the the powers that put him in place at uh, you know i don't know if he it's quite like he became a king but he became a leader uh like so there's actually a very similar arc between like what captain america becomes and uh, you know eventually becomes a much uh like a much less straight-laced version of himself but also a much more uh i would say more authentically kind-hearted and more understanding hero than what he originally started out to be um and then i think you see his relationships to kind of like what aj was saying is to go back to like the version of kai where his relationships become more complicated and he realizes that morality is a little more a little bit more nuanced and there's different shades of gray as to how he expects justice to manifest itself in the world. So I think they've actually evolved his character very, very interestingly over time. It's actually one of the reasons why I like Guilty Gear 2 is that they explore uh, Kai's character and his and his uh, relationship with his son quite a bit in that game. And to, to
0: be clear, Absolutely. when you say Guilty Gear 2, you mean the uh, action game, right? The actual number yes, that, that, that very few people know about. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yes, I yeah. do.
3: Uh, we did talk about that in uh, I forget the episode number, but uh, the one where we talked about Issica and Guilty Gear Two. But yes, the 360 action game that we talked about is yeah. official sequel, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's canon. Yeah.
1: Yep, totally. He's so cool. I've w- got a couple more things to say just about Kai. Like, but just a couple of things that like relate to me a bit specifically. So, like, I was just reading this earlier, but like, he when he was very young, obviously, like he was involved in battles a lot. And he was somebody who was trained by people like Cliff Underson, another one of my other favorite characters. And he joined this holy order at a very young age. And he got to become a very good fighter at a young age. At age 15 in the story, he becomes like a prodigy among like more of the war hardened knights and you know, more of the adults in the group. And he, you know, he starts to be able to use some really basic like techniques regarding like magic and like, you know, the abilities that exist within the Guilty Gear world, and that made him even stronger. But one thing that's interesting there, because um 15 is when that started happening for him but in them as i've mentioned before i'm a taekwondo fighter and we have different age limits for you know what sort of ranks you're able to get into when you're fighting so for example back when i was fighting back when i was like a a little bit younger um you know before you were 18 you weren't supposed to fight 18 year olds and upwards so it was from like the senior categories from like 18 to 35 and I believe it still is, but I think I think it should be, yeah. But I started fighting in the senior ranks when I was fifteen as well. So it's like it's one of those things where like you um, you you have people who recognise like the skills which you work really really hard like to you know gain and to hone and all that stuff. And so seeing that in uh in, a, in another form in a character that i relate to it's something that it's something that reminds you of good times and hard work and like what it means to really try and you know step up a step up a cut of your grade if you know what i mean like trying to really show yourself prove who you are and no matter what it is that people say about you or no matter what it is that people might think about you whether you're younger if someone thinks you don't fit in if someone thinks you have to prove yourself it's it's just doing so because you want to be there and then letting them say whatever they want to say because like him being Being 15 years old and still being able to hang in there with the war hardened holy knights and the adults, like anyone can do that if they try hard enough. Like I did that in my area, he did that in his area. Like for anyone that's listening, you can do that in your area too. So there's lots of areas of like very specific like inspiration that can speak to lots of wider topics in these characters. So that's another thing that I really like about him.
0: Wow, that's that's great. That's great when you you can just bring that level of uh that you can relate to the character that, that deeply. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, yeah, I think... Um, it, I, I hope more people can uh, really appreciate that aspect of these characters. Like, uh, if, if you really like a character, um, you, you can let them influence your life. There's nothing cheesy about that. Like, you know, you draw inspiration from whatever, you know, whatever you're really into. And it, in your case, oh. it was your real life was reflected in this character, <laughs> like the other way around.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah that's great absolutely it's quite strange isn't it because like you don't really realize how much that these things can have an effect on you because obviously I had been fighting for a long for a long period of time before I ever found out about what Guilty Gear even was. But I can read these things and be like, "Oh, hey, that reminds me of like my actual life." That's kind of weird, but like it's a good feeling when these things happen. It reminds <laughs> you of all the memories that you've made. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah even Sean, with you, like uh, uh, Kai's uh, relationship with the Holy Order of Knights th- that parallels your own experience with uh, Catholicism growing up, right? <laughs> kind of, yep. mm-hmm. yeah it's uh well, like, like i said it's uh w- one of those things
3: where you don't think about it like i never sat down to play guilty gear and i was like oh this guy's getting disillusioned with his faith just <laughs> like me like yeah. I, I was, I never <laughs> it's that way right you never realize it <laughs> yeah later yeah. about how these things affect you right um, yeah. but but uh well that, came, that 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 came off more more dark more deep than i intended but um yeah no you're exactly right i i think uh you you sort of your your mind uh, I think is complicated and it sees uh, it sees things that you see in yourself without you realizing it. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, um, James, you, you you still there? James. Uh, I know, I know James is a Kai player. I wanted to maybe uh, get his his insight. Oh no,
2: that. I'm I'm here. Oh, so. oh he's still here. No, uh, yeah, yeah. so I'm here. Uh actually that's a lot of the parallels that you all were making uh are ones that I I do agree with. I mean, one of the things that I really liked about Kai when I when I first played obviously was oh, well, he helps me understand the game. Uh you know, cuz he was talking about 5S like, you know that That attack is like kind of like the the embodiment of what you learn when you play him. But uh, in terms of like what he stands for, uh, interestingly enough, uh, I didn't see Ryu and Ken. Uh, I saw more of like like odd, I guess, like parallels between Kenshiro and Shin. When I looked at Soul and uh, Kai, Um, obviously it's in a different way because you know Kai is very much more of a you know, almost like a holy Christian soldier, whereas Shin was more of a, almost like a tyrannical supremacist, <laughs> um, you know, but there was like this sort of, sort of opposing side aspect that I, that I saw, uh, both narratively and visually, you know, uh, you know, I feel like there's something that could be said there uh, in terms of like soul and, and Kai's presence and how they do represent opposing sides but one of the things that i will say that i thoroughly enjoy about guilty gear with kai is you get to see the progression of his character where it's not that kai never had his own independent thoughts but but you get to see them evolve you know you get to see him become more of a hey well i mean i, I fought for these purposes and i you know i felt one way about uh you know what I stand for and what my foundation is as a person in this world. But now that's changing because of different events, you know, that are happening in his life and the world around him. So it's really cool to see uh, that type of extensive character development in a fighting game story, not to say that it doesn't exist, but uh, I feel like it's, it's, it's something that at least to me is rare enough that it's cherished when it's actually shown. That
0: That's a great point. Cause like uh, fighting game characters don't, tend to change that much over time right like um yeah it's almost like a a corporate mandate like you you, people love the character as they are so like um for most series they don't really change that much and then guilty gear like shakes stuff up all the time in terms of like visual design gameplay and notably the story they really progress uh, the story between games
2: Yeah. yeah it's something that you really don't uh, see too often. And I mean, whenever it's it was done by companies that were not Arxis or companies where that was normally accepted, it was usually frowned upon. Uh, not necessarily from normal casual fans. Some of them were like, oh, okay, yeah, this is cool. I like this. And, you know, a lot of times from the competitive side like, what do they do to my character? Yeah. Oh my God. Like when Jin unlearned his fighting style for Tekken 4, uh, you know, people were upset, like really upset. But then they, learned that he was like op and then it was okay and then it was but it was just like a weird sort of uh sort of thing that happened because it made sense for the story and it was actually interesting for the story and i remember bringing this up to somebody and i was like no i think that's really neat and they're like oh but they messed him up and like i can't play him and i was like yeah but i mean even as somebody that's competitive, like I was like, well, the story aspect of uh, fighting games can be really interesting. So, I was all for it. I thought it was really cool. And ironically, he became like the best in Tekken Four, and then people left the game after a year. But, um, yeah, like normally when it comes to uh, character development, it, it it normally doesn't happen too often. So <laughs> yeah. when it does, it's actually a treat. Um, you know, another small tangent is uh, Iori uh, Yagami. Um, You know in king of fighters 13 uh you know because of the story he went underwent a change he lost his uh ability to tap into uh, orochi and he had a different fighting style i love that fighting style i love that he didn't have orochi i thought he was great he was a new character he had a new design um he was fantastic and you know there's a lot of controversy and snk knew that there were going to be people that wanted him to go back to his original form so they made 98 Yori playable so that they could play him with you know his normal like moveset and everything but in the story he eventually got his Orochi power back but uh, again it's it's one of those aspects where you know you're learning more about the character and seeing their growth and evolution it can be a really interesting thing
0: yeah yeah I mean um, like you said with King of Fighters like they changed the character and then they changed him back right? um, Oh, hold on for a sec Sorry, my dogs are messing around outside. No problem. Yeah, they
2: they changed him, uh, you know, back more or less for DLC, not in the story. Uh, Eventually, he does get his Orochi powers back in the story, but it's not like a playable part. It's kind of like in the ending. But uh, yeah, like, you know, there were some people that were like, well, but I want the old Yori. So they made sure that that version was available at a later date. But yeah, in the story, he actually had to fight without his... uh, Ability to tap into Orochi, and it was great. It was fantastic.
1: Side,
3: side question, James: Is the the name the the Orochi version? Is that a reference in some way to the the kind of Orochi serpent that that name comes from?
2: Yes. Um, how,
3: do, how does that how does it connect with the character in this specific case? Like, what type of power? I, I'm not as familiar with this
2: well, version of the character. basically, his entire move set was based on his ability with the Orochi. So, like. His projectile, his dragon punch, his super, like all of his moves, all his special moves were all connected to his ability uh, to tap into Orochi. So they removed all of that within the story. So he had a completely different moveset. His normals were the same, but like the only things that he kept were I believe his DM was the same, but he he also gained a new one. Um, you know, and, you know, some people were like, nah, I want, I want, I want my Orochi, I want the regular Yori back. Um, and they got him back, you know, but, <laughs> but it was, but it was an interesting thing because within the story, uh, you know, it just showed how strong Yagami's will is because he was still fighting and he was fighting without the ability that he normally has. It's kind of like if, I don't know, like what would happen, quote-unquote, if Captain America lost his serum, you know? Like, he would still be a good fighter because of his will and, like, just the character of who Steve is, you know? So it's kind of... It was interesting to see Iori kind of deal with this situation in the only way that he could. And, uh, you know, ironically enough, he was actually a lot more fun. And I still say that to this day, that King <laughs> of Fighters thirteen Iori was more fun to play than the uh, regular 98 Iori.
0: Hey, This is one of those, one of those things where... Uh, sorry, what was that, version? I said it was a bold, bold statement. Yeah, oh, I yeah, know, yeah. I know, but well, I'm, I'm, I'm on this hill, man.
3: I, I was going to say, like, this is one of those things about, like, character progressions that I never understand, which is that, like, uh, the new version of Yori existing doesn't preclude uh, the old version from existing either. In right. Fact, If you think about it we now get two characters that we can enjoy instead of just the one same one so whenever they're evolving characters or stories and it goes in a place where the fan base doesn't necessarily love it uh, i always try to be open-minded and be like you know i'm I'm reacting to like we all love things that are familiar right so it's always like you're always like i don't like change but i i feel like if you if you open your mind and i'm always like well let me let me give this this thing a chance and i feel like to your point you can go back to regular Iori. In fact, I'm sure King of Fighters—it's a core character. They're going to return to him multiple times. Why don't Why don't we just for this meal just have a little bit of different spices in it? Like just try it out and, and yeah. you know, see how it, how it feels with the the dragon serpent flavor. Yeah, and then if you don't like it, you we go back to to classic Iori. You know to
2: yeah. And, and I mean, it's it's, I it's a similar parallel to uh yeah, it's a similar par- parallel to what happened in uh, Street Fighter Five. Um when they put Zeku uh, in the game and you know, Zeku was always one of my favorite characters before I even saw him in a game just because Bengus drew him so amazingly (laughs) and I was just always enthralled by his design. And, um, you know, when he first came out, it was like, Oh, this is like a diet guy strider function. I don't, why didn't they just put guy in the game? But it actually was an interesting take on two different aspects of, uh, really cool characters you know you basically got guy and strider in one character that you could flip the styles between and it made for an interesting dynamic um and it also made just an interesting um sort of aspect to zeku because before that zeku just looked like a cool gruff ninja and i mean yeah that's a nice character archetype but for zeku to be connected to the lineage of like strider the striders as they put it in the story uh, that actually strengthens the strider Hear you storyline like it makes all these other things so much more interesting so you know sometimes when they when you put a little bit of a different sauce on a character or uh, you know you create some sort of development with a character uh, you know it actually can turn out pretty cool it actually makes you like the character more whether it's competitively or narratively
0: very cool Oh, Sean, I um I just wanted to circle back for a moment, answer your question about the uh, Orochi. Uh, when whenever you hear that name in a uh, Japanese game or anime or whatever, um, it's a reference to uh, one of the earliest uh, you know uh, Japanese uh, myths. It's the Yamata no Orochi. It's from sh- uh, the Shinto belief system so uh there's a ancient story of a giant eight-headed evil serpent that was uh slayed by uh, Susanu, who's one of the um most important gods in uh in shinto so uh, that that's that's one of their um really like core uh, mythologies um and then uh king of fighters digs it, into it even more you, you have the uh, three sacred uh three sacred treasures right there's uh, characters that correspond to the three sacred treasures. Those are actually uh, real uh, things. Um, they are uh, three sacred relics, um, I think, held by the royal family in Japan. It's it's uh, like a sword, a mirror, and a magatama, which is like yes. a, a jewel. Um, and those are also from uh, the Shinto uh, belief system um, and oh, if, if you want to see a really good movie about uh, the Orochi mythology uh, look up uh, Wanpaku Oji no Orochi Taiji which is um, in English they call it The Little Prince and the Eight-Headed Dragon it's an old uh, toy uh, animation, it, it, it's from the 60s, it's it's beautifully animated, it's actually what inspired the style for uh, uh, Samurai Jack and Wind Waker, so it's it it's like a really in influential, beautifully animated movie. Um, yeah, yeah. If you want to learn more about the Orochi legend, check that out. Uh,
3: I have an admission, which is to say that sometimes when I'm talking to Richmond, half of my comments are just trying to trigger him into going into a really interesting <laughs> tangent. He knows about everything. So. <laughs>
1: success <laughs> absolutely i'm telling you man richmond richmond is the truth he, he he just knows absolutely everything it's just like yo how can you string these two things together and then he'll just do it and it'll make sense it'll be like what the like he, he did it again like what the? That's, that's amazing yeah <laughs> uh, well i mean I, I i i have googled here i have notes <laughs>
0: Yeah. But thank
1: awesome, you. but, but it's say.
3: knowing what it's knowing what to Google and in what order, yeah. right? Uh, and then also knowing which things are fact and which things are not. So, yep. um, yeah, definitely. That's what yeah. leader, I actually
0: yeah. haven't played. Oh, go ahead, sorry. Oh no, go, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna talk about Yori again. <laughs> <laughs> um, hold on, real quick. I think AJ brought up an interesting point in the chat about I was gonna, the, yeah, I was mention something
1: yeah yeah so basically the the sacred weapons uh, that we that we were just talking about in another thing there are actual sacred weapons again in in guilty Gear, as we said and uh, yeah yeah uh, the weapon that kai uses is called the thunder seal sword and it's a sacred treasure that channels and like magnifies lightning magic and it requires a lot of like physical and like mental stamina to you know be able to use it so like kai got entrusted that when he started to really show and prove himself as a as a proper knight and just you know it's the idea of having multiple different types of weapons like that in guilty gear that is really cool to me because like all of these weapons they're supposed to that there are multiple different like versions of uh other weapons that have a similar kind of like importance as like sacred treasures so for example i believe um andrew has some i think uh i think obviously saul has one uh yeah there are lots of different characters that have all different you know types of things so there you go i just found it there the fire seal um used by saul bad guy the thunder seal obviously by kai uh these things called uh, zesen which are two um Magical wind-producing fans that uh, Angie Mito uses. Uh, yeah, there's a thing called the Flashing Fang. It's also used by Sol. And then there are two other things here called the Dominator and also the uh, Baikal. And like those are used by a group called the Conclave, which are kind of like a like a watchful eye over the world of Guilty Gear. So you know, they're kind of too useful, too, too um, too strong. to to be used by other people, so they kind of keep them away from everyone else. But I've always thought that's really cool because they're all part of a thing called the outrage, which is a really powerful weapon. So yeah, very cool.
0: Oh, man. Okay. I got got another fun fact that ties into uh, Kai. So uh, Kai from Guilty Gear, he's uh, definitely inspired by a character from uh, the manga Bastard. By uh, Kazushi Aguara. Uh there's a character in it, in it, in it named uh, Lars Ol Metallica, and he obviously he's, he's named after Lars Ulrich of uh, the band Metallica. Um, so, so Bastard started doing the whole like uh, naming people after uh, heavy metal bands and stuff um, way back in the '80s. It, it's a huge inspiration on Guilty Gear overall. <laughs> and uh, uh, Daisuke, uh Ishiwatara, he, he, he cites it as a major influence um, and Kai in particular uh, he's based on the character called Lars um, he's, he's a prince and he's also a holy knight and he was entrusted with this uh, this this weapon called uh, the the dragon Knight it was created by the uh, the wise men and uh, in the backstory to uh, bastard um, Bastard follows a, a dark Schneider. He's actually sort of the, the, he's really, he's actually evil. He's like canonically evil, but he's the main character. And um, he's sort of like soul is the equivalent of a dark Schneider. And uh, Lars is the equivalent of um, Kai. And uh, in the backstory for Bastard, they they fought each other, and Kai had to, sorry, Lars had to draw on the power of the Dragon Knight to uh, d- to defeat Dark Schneider and banish him, and then Lars also uh, mysteriously disappeared. Um, it's really, really, really fun comic. I, I I highly recommend it. It's it's also a very like adult-oriented comic, so <laughs> just uh, it's not it's sometimes not very safe for work. So just just a content warning if if you are gonna look into it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, as Sakurai would say, it is not for good boys and girls, so it's, uh, it's yeah. FYI there. Yep. <laughs>
3: All right. So we're we're just kind of jumping around games. Do we want to stick to games we we're talking about, or should we just, like, throw throw more variety into the <laughs> mix? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's,
0: keep going. Let's, more more let's variety. Going. Yeah, yeah. Good, right? I, 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 I know. Mean, um, I-
1: I- Go for, it, go for
0: it. Yeah, 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 dude. Yeah. I know you are ready to go.
2: <laughs> so um one of one of my my favorite characters and I guess this is like a a segue like into to something slightly different but carries some similar parallels is uh as a kid, right? Like I loved Final Fight so much. Like it just reminded me of like all of the martial arts movies I watch on Saturday afternoons and stuff and I loved Guy, right? Like, Guy was just like my favorite character. Like, oh, he's a ninja. He looks cooler than Cody. Like, I loved Cody, but, you know, I just was like, Guy's so cool. And they put Guy in Street Fighter Alpha 1, and I lost my mind. I was like, oh my God, this character's so cool. But then Alpha 2 came around, and Capcom did something that I did not expect. They upped the ante in terms of uh, inclusion of Final Fight characters and like world building. So they put Rolento in the game. This is very dangerous for young James. So uh I remember staring at that sprite. Uh it was in a game fan magazine because they did this huge super spread, uh like almost like new type magazine style. These super high clear resolution like photos. And I was like, this is such a cool pose. He's doing nothing but he's so cool. Like, how did they do this? And you know, and I and I and I ran and I I played the game. And, uh, you know, of course, they had the new custom combo system and stuff in it. And everything Relento does is more than like one hit. So I was just like, you know, how many times can I hit somebody until they die? You know, like that was just my whole uh, strategy. I didn't understand how to play the game or anything. I was just like, man, this is so cool. And, uh, you know, for those that don't know, Relento was an actual boss enemy in the beat-em-up game called Final Fight. And uh, basically, he was like a resistance soldier that wanted to uh basically he was in mad gear because he's just like well you know what these guys are trying to make a new order like i'm about making a new order maybe they fall in line with my my sensibilities and ideals you know i'll do this for the greater good that he believed in right so final fight happens you know the mayor shows up and beats the hell out of everybody and mad gear disbands and uh is like oh these guys suck like they don't know what to do well you know what i know what to do I'm gonna build my own utopia. So in the Street Fighter Alpha series, that's the the basis of his story. And it just sounds like a deranged, obsessed, talented, militant person, right? Like, okay, you're you're skilled in these things and you think you can just change the world with violence. Wow, okay. Um, But that's kind of a fun thing to see in like a fictitious setting. (laughs) So I really liked the character, but one of the things I actually come to learn about him was he was actually uh, a reference to a uh, Fist of the North Star character, who was a commander in the Red Berets named Golan, who also had a similar ideal that felt like I think it was that the uh, militant soldiers were brought together to uh, to bring together and manifest God's purpose, um, and you know that obviously plays into the whole idea of uh, having a particular type of utopia, uh, you know, which obviously is a correlation to Rolinto's story. Um, But I guess one of the things that really stood out for me as a kid before I knew that, you know, he was connected to Fist of the North Star was that he just reminded me of, like, cool villains in, like, Rambo movies and, like, Operation Wolf. Like, I was just really obsessed with, like, beret hats and, like, military gear as a kid. Like, uh, you know, it was something that I always seen in, like, uh, Navy SEALs movies with, like, Charlie Sheen, the Rambo movies with Stallone. Like, there was just a certain aesthetic that he had that I thought was, like, super cool. And, uh he was kind of like a modified version of Vega. Like he was all over the screen. He was everywhere. He was throwing bombs and sticks and everything. Um, and I was like, man, this character is so cool. But, uh, you know, he obviously represents a very particular type of, uh, you know, ideal system. And uh, it, it's it's one of those characters that you always see in anime or in games. But uh, I feel like his inclusion into the Street Fighter story sort of gave – street fighter at least the alpha series a breath of fresh air just to see how uh those characters sort of dealt with mad gear disbanding you know i mean sodom's in alpha one and alpha two uh you see that he's trying to figure out what he wants to do and you know he kind of runs into relinto i think in alpha three and there's this sort of odd like sort of like odd couple sort of sensibility between the two because they 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 they're on different paths, but they have certain ideals that kind of match up. So just seeing how there's like a particular synergy with these characters was uh, really interesting. But I think for me, like I I really just enjoyed that he really brought something new to the game in terms of gameplay. Uh, A lot of times in like street fighter games, it's, you know, you're zoning or you're putting pressure on somebody, but you know, Relinto's mobility was so different. You know, he was almost like a Marvel character in comparison to everyone else. He's flying everywhere. And, uh he was really hard to catch and i liked playing uh him that way simply because the arcade like ai was just ridiculous in final fight and uh i made it my business to sort of play in a way that was like similar to that because i just really liked reliving um the fun that i have with final fight and i remember i was at a tournament actually in cbs2 when relento was playable and someone was like dude like when i fight you i feel like i'm playing final fight and I both love and hate it. <laughs> 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 you know, <laughs> uh,
0: wait, wait, so cool.
3: wasn't he one of the earlier characters that could do that type of move where they could uh, jump off of the off of the the screen bound?
2: Yes, it's called um, the Mechon Delta Raid. Um, it basically was the, a command move where he would flip backwards, which also has beautiful animation. There's such amazing posing. Uh, even if you just look at the keyframes for it, it just looks amazing. Um, and he would jump up to the corner and bounce off. Now, Vega could do this, but you had to do it with a regular jump. So the difference between Vega and Relento is that when you do Mecha on Delta Raid, his jump animation is super fast. So he clings, it's almost like he clings directly to the wall. Um, and, you know, basically when you think about that, like, yeah, Vega has to kind of jump near the wall. He has to consider his jump arc. No matter where Relento is, I think there's, like, maybe one or two places on the screen where he can't do it. Any other place, he literally can just flip off of the screen. So, well,
3: and While we're talking about animation, and I, I might cite the move incorrectly, but I feel like Relento might have one of the most... Um, I think the, the word I'm trying to look for is the most... Um, I guess what I what I'm trying to say is he has uh a move where the animation and sound feels so much like you're being slapped down. I think it's just standing fierce. Uh, uh yeah,
2: yeah. The I call it I call it the patan just because right. like the phonetic sound for it is is patan. He does this fierce, it's like when someone explains like you know, like, like martial arts, like, you know, punching through something, right? Mm -hmm. that move is the move that comes to mind in my head where it's just like, it's a complete follow through where he like, he's, 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 he's going to hit you on top of the head, but he's following through to the ground Yep. and it is such a disgustingly strong looking move, uh, regardless of what game it's in. Like when you see it, it just, it just looks like it hurts. It looks Um, so painful.
1: The
3: sound sound triggers things in me. It's,
2: uh, you know, interestingly enough, um, I feel the same way. It's interesting, right? Like, that's just his normal move, right? But I feel like it's just as powerful, or if almost a little more powerful, than uh, his Patriot Circle. Uh, his Patriot Circle is a, a rekka based move where you do three fireball motions and punch. Oh, I can, uh, you hear, know, it. I can hear it like, right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's like something about the twirl of it, but the actual hit, like the sound design. Um, I feel like Alpha 2 was actually trying to do an homage to like Street Fighter 2 sounds because like the fierce punch sounds in that game sound painful, like super painful. Like like they're really, like it's a strong resonating sound. So the thing is, if you don't know, Patriot Circle is an 11 hit special move. This was also unprecedented in Street Fighter. (laughs) He had a, not a super, it was a special move that was 11 hits. So when you heard this thing, you heard it all over the arcade. It didn't matter where you were. You heard it. Um, And one of the things that I loved to do, and this was like specific to Alpha, was that when you did a multi-hit move to kill somebody, in most cases, that move continued to play out and continued to hit the opponent. So the intensity of the sound design, the aesthetic of the posing, all was shown to you in slow motion. So like you got to like kind of like live, it got to live rent-free in your mind like, in the best way possible. Like, everything about his presence uh, was just amazing. Like, it it, it made me want a new fighting game, like a Final Fight fighting game with uh, CPS 2 Sprite. Like, I wanted that so bad. Um, Just his whole design aesthetic is just amazing. Like, the way his moves work, uh, how they translated him from Final Fight. Like, he has a move called the Stinger where it's a jump command, but then... You know, it's dragon punch motion and uh, kick, but the thing is, when you do that move, uh, he jumps, and then when you kick again, he flips in the air again, and he throws a knife. Which, I mean, he throws knives in Final Fight, but something about making that command work that way—it was a, at, at that time it was an innovative, uh, like gameplay, like battle design for a character to have like multi-tap moves that way. Um, I feel like a lot of love went into how he was played, um, to a point that, uh, you know, it, it just, if you think about it, like, Relinto obviously has Western influences as well. Um, because AJ has just blown my mind, <laughs> uh, <I> mean, <laughs> what he just posted and that's irrefutable. Uh, I, I mean, it, I wouldn't be surprised if someone was like, yeah, I, I, I worked on this production and I am a, a huge fan of Rolento. So, I'm going to let him take it away with this uh, reference that he posted.
1: Okay, so check this out. I was just having a look online and yeah. So Rolento and Clayton of like from, you know, Disney's Tarzan, they share they share a lot of the same types of colors of clothing and they both have like a red shawl that they wear. They both have the sort of, you know, that kind of muddy yellow looking top and like khaki pants. Like it's so interesting just looking at the way that these guys stand when they're, you know, put right next to each other. I suppose we'll have to try and get that put up on Twitter or something, but yeah, there are so many different and really interesting parallels that we can make here. And also one of <clears> the, <throat> One other character as well. Um, if you've not heard of them before, uh, it seems to be like a bit of an inspiration for another character, uh, Jack Krauser from Resident Evil, also from you know Capcom. Both have like you know English first names and a German sounding like second name like a, a Rolento, like, you know, Schuberg and a Jack Krauser. And then also, like, they both have a military kind of look. They both wear red beret. They both use grenades and knives. They both have a big scar on the whole face. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's really quite interesting to think about how it is that so many characters that we love from different franchises and from different, you know, worlds, essentially, they have these archetypes, archetypal looks that we all recognize as a certain type, right? So we see soldier character. We're seeing grenades. We're seeing knives. We're seeing berets. We're seeing, you know striking red um the red berets and red shawls and it's really quite cool just to think about the ways that these characters all relate to each other i, I love it it's, it's really cool
0: yeah yeah that um that military theme really came through with relento like I, even before i knew his move names um or his backstory just just from the 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 sprite you know i, I got like this uh he felt like a dictator from like a vietnam war movie you know he mm-hmm felt like some uh yeah some in, you know absolutely
2: yeah, I remember yeah. I remember seeing his uh his idol animation and then reading what his move list was and I don't know I mean I, I, I can't speak for everybody but I know I've had moments where like just looking at the names of certain moves just gave you a like a certain feeling right and I, and I remember like you know I, as a kid I didn't know that much about like you know, history outside of what they taught in school or in terms of the vietnam war and stuff but there was something about seeing certain names of his special moves that just it Created a particular type of energy in me when I looked at the character like I, I It's something that didn't translate exactly the same in final fight, but in alpha 2 um, Just looking at the instruction manual the Japanese one and seeing the moves and seeing what they look like I mean and the fact that he had a move called like take no prisoners uh that struck a chord with me. I was just like, man, this guy, you know, because I mean, when you grow up in the '80s, techno no prisoners" was like a was a term you heard a lot within like action movies and like just you know just dramas in general. Like in terms of like someone that's, just, that's strong and ruthless. But like when I started to like think about what that really meant, I was like, man, should this guy
0: be in a tournament? Like
2: he's <laughs> he's hanging people as he's killing people yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) one of his victory poses is he you're already defeated on the ground and then he grenades you (laughs) yes also side note
2: since you you brought that up uh one of the things that was also interesting about relinto was that uh for him failure was not an option Um, he took defeat very personally (laughs) so if you if he lost in a time over he would blow himself up yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> and he would laugh like he would he would laugh and then just blow himself up and it was just like i love this character but i'm also terrified of just how like focused uh they were on their objective uh but one thing i also wanted to add and this is like a a design thing right like you know you there's multiple ways you can make a character interesting in fighting games whether it's gameplay story or whatever but sometimes there's these little things, right? Like uh, Ryu's wind pose when he has his arms folded and you see the little leaf blow by, right? Like it's like a simple, like subtle thing that sort of just embodies like Ryu, and it's something that's been in game since like the alpha series, where you're just like him holding, folding his arms, and his eyes closed, is just like that is Ryu. So Relento has a thing like that, and every time he's in any game everyone says does he have the thing and i'm going to explain what the thing is so when he does take no prisoners he says get set and he shoots a trip wire across the screen right and it ensnares you and it pulls you up and then you know he comes down and he like solidifies that it's like choking you right but when he does it and it works and he releases the wire it makes a a vibrating like distinct sound and like something about hearing that sound makes that super so much cooler than it already is. It's kind of like the delayed explosion in like Super Sentai when they're, they're back as to the explosion, and then you the explosion hasn't happened yet. They've already made the pose, but then they do the explosion, and then the lighting affects them. Like it has that same sort of timing sort of vibe to it, where it's like Ding! and like when you hear it, you're just like, oh man, that's it's something about it. Just makes it like that much more. Uh, aesthetically and like sonically pleasing uh and every game he's been in people demand that that sound is there like it's it's something that's so trademark for him
1: yeah i just, I just want to get in really quickly that like speaking of like sonically pleasing right there's a there's a, a reference made and um i suppose it's kind of like gonna date the episode a little bit but um Brockhampton, a group that, which I enjoy, uh, they just released a new album called Roadrunner, and on it there's a pro, there's, there's a song called Chain On, and there's a guy on it called uh, JPEG Mafia, another fantastic artist and rapper and all-around great creative. Everyone should check him out. But he says that he says the line, "Street fighter like Birdie, keep a stick like Relento." like during the during the uh, song so it's like just oh, hearing about know. yeah and just just hearing about how all the you know things that we enjoy about this character is so well known you know the stick itself is a part of the character and yeah keep a stick like relento he's in the song that's it it's very very cool to think about how you know games transcend into music as well awesome yeah
2: um man i i don't want to go on too much from I'll just mention one more thing well- Oh,
1: but before
2: we get off Relenza, we need to talk about how good his color scheme is. Let's oh do
3: my it.
0: God, let's I just want to say real, real, real quick. Um, if you're listening and you want to follow along visually, uh, go go to FightersGeneration.com. Uh, you you can look up all the characters, all the sprites that we're talking about. Um, you, you can look them up there. Check it out.
3: Okay, so so for everyone that doesn't hasn't seen. Uh, Rolento basically um he has mostly a yellow uh i guess it's a military shoot, suit right uh james to some degree um, yeah 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 i don't like fatigues but it's it's yellow it's usually like more of an orange that's kind of important it's a it's kind of a gold gold it's like yellow a, color. yeah then of course we've mentioned he has a red beret he has a red ascot um and then he has his grenades <clears throat> his grenades and his staff um, are green with red accents. so um, he has a really striking look. it's uh, like the more you look at it, the more like honestly like attractive it is. It doesn't seem like a very military look, but it actually actually has very militaristic colors. Uh, they're just they're just turned around uh, in a way like this so a normal, military outfit might be mostly green with accents of red and green. So I, I think that's one thing that they did there where they, they wanted that to kind of stand out more. But the the reason that it balances so well is that, um, again, like the artists at Capcom really know how to use color theory without being, uh, like heavy handed with it. So this is basically, uh, Uh, It's basically a primary color scheme. Red and green are complements. And then yellow is is basically a split on the color wheel. Um, What's interesting about this is they knew that it wasn't like a perfect color scheme. But what they wanted to do is, you can see the reason that there's red on the staff, and the staff and the grenades are green, and he's mostly yellow, is actually so that the red and green compliments don't get too Christmassy. They play off of each other. Um, so it actually highlights the elements of his kit that are important. It highlights his militarism with the beret, it highlights his staff and his grenades. Even the belts that hold those things on are brown, so they recede into the yellow. Uh, and the orange. So I actually think it's a really smart visual design from the perspective of visual clarity. So it tells a story, but it also makes it easy to follow the it, it's it's a really, really nuanced version of the way that old Scooby-Doo cartoons used to like highlight what thing was gonna be uh, animated. In a lot of ways, they're mm-hmm. highlighting parts of the character that are important to his move set uh, while also, having it play into his story around what his uniform means. Um, So I don't know. I I always thought it was as one of the ones where it always struck me that his color scheme really hasn't changed. A lot of times when they, when they move characters into newer games or into 3d, they start getting um, too fancy or they start, they trying to make them, you know, like how uh, Chun-Li, like uh, she got kind of like more trim and a little bit more sporty over time. And then they went back and forth on that. I really love how like, his, his design has mostly stayed the same. And I, I think a lot of it is because his uniform and his color scheme and the way all those details play together is so striking and effective that you just, you don't know, you don't need to change it. Um, anyway, so there's one of those things, so especially sure. even if you look at different renderings of him, uh, through over, over the years, or you compare them to characters like Bison, uh, where you're seeing some of that militarism and the reference. I feel like they do a really good job of making those connections with color, which is that 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 red is kind of a reference to the, the militarism, but it's not it's not too heavy handed. It's very very subtle because they know that that like the the yellow has to be dominant in order for the red and green to really work as a color scheme. Um, anyway, it's it's actually uh, independent of. James Undying Dying Love from, uh, it's one of one of my favorites uh, <laughs> overall kind of uh, overall color designs because a lot of the characters, like most characters in fighting games, have their own kind of color scheme. We've talked about that before, where they they tend to have a dominant one. But I feel like the more you look at Rolentos, the the more there is to it. Especially when you side by side them with other characters that are meant to be militaristic, you can kind of see. The, the visual language that's telling you, you didn't need to know that he's in the military. You didn't need to know that Bison's a militaristic leader. Uh, there's little he- hints or elements and they use color to tell that story as well as to make him visually clear. So very, very cool. Yeah, um, he's, they're,
2: they're, they're, this is part of the reason why I play Rolinto so passionately in any game that he's in is there's so much that I enjoy about this character and I'm sure Richmond probably has not so fond memories of probably facing my Rolento in CBS 2. So I, I I apologize Uh, for for the, the, the memories in that regard. But one thing I wanted to add that most people may not know, uh, is that Rolento actually does not have a theme, uh, like a BGM. And, uh, you know, people say, what do you mean? Like there's music that plays. Um, one of the things that is interesting about Rolento, uh, since his debut, um, in Alpha 2, where everybody had themes that were reflective of like the games they came from, like Guy's theme is the Final Fight theme. Um, relental's theme is actually not his own. It is actually a CPS2 cue sound rendition or rework of Abigail's theme from Final Fight. Um, hmm. He sure. has never actually had his own theme. It is actually Abigail's theme... Um, and I think that probably one of the reasons is that I guess the composers felt it would be more interesting, I guess, uh, and more, I guess, like thematic to use uh, Abigail's theme as a, uh, a source material for the rework for his stage. Um, and it's something I didn't know for a long time, and someone pointed it out to me, and I, I did like a playthrough of Final Fight, and I was like, wait, that actually is Rolinto's theme. Because Rolinto's theme is a bit of a, a quirky composition. It's still very good, but uh it has like a a certain theme to it that's a bit more of a progression. It feels like it was made specifically for players to feel empowered to fight in a fighting game, like a not fighting game in a beat 'em up. You know, like it's sort of that song that says, you know, yeah, you're pushing the same buttons and you're just moving forward, but keep going, kind of uh like sensibility and vibe to it. So I guess they didn't feel that it was something that they would they could make sound as strong and as impactful as a as a character theme, but yeah, his his song in Alpha Two or his track in Alpha Two is actually a rework of Abigail's theme. Um, I think the only time he actually has a theme and it's more based on his stage is Alpha Three, but you know, the Alfie actually made all the music for alpha 3 so like their music sensibility is like kind of all over that game so i don't think anybody really has a theme in alpha 3 <laughs> i just think that they look they made their tracks based off of the stages themselves um which is kind of an interesting like take because uh the music in alpha 3 has a very particular specific sensibility but um yeah yeah relento in alpha 2 did not have Uh, an actual theme it's actually abigail's and uh i will go on record to say that his console version is actually the best version of his theme (laughs) um (laughs) i highly recommend people listen to it uh if you like old b-movie martial arts movies like cynthia rothrock like china o'brien uh movies like his bgm seriously sounds like it would fit in any of those old 90s like uh thursday night prime action movies so if you if you got if you're on youtube just look up Rolinto alpha 2 gold theme
0: and you will you will be you will be pleased nice i hmm, awesome. i i just want to talk about his sprite just a little bit more um i i think he's got one of the best sprites in the alpha games like i think uh, he was a new character in part two and you could see yeah. just how how much the artist grew uh in between um those games because like uh, just uh oh my god like those poses are fantastic do you know Ever. who did
2: the sprite design for that
0: yes i do it was uh it's, Atsushi. I think it's Kinu, right no 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 um it was not uh really his, yeah yeah so go to uh there, there's a great website called a vg densetsu uh, they're they're also on Twitter a really really fantastic like video game history account. They did a really good article called uh, From Character Design to Graphic Design: The Artists Behind uh, Capcom's Games. Um, we'll, we'll we'll link to that. I've i retweeted that several times in the past. Um, yeah, I can see right there. Uh, Rolento was animated uh, by Atsushi Iwasaki. That was the sprite artist, and uh, that same artist also did uh, Ken and Ryu sprites. So they were those. You know, they were um, given, like, some of the most important sprites in the game. And also, James, I think you'll be happy to know, uh, the same artist also did Guy. Um, So he brought that energy to Rolento as well.
2: Oh, God. Oh,
0: man. Because, like,
2: okay, I'm just going to, I'm not going to, oh, man. Please understand. I apologize. I love Final Fight, and I love what Capcom did to the off-series. Guys walk forward and walk backward animations. Are some of the coolest things that have come from the Alpha series for me, um, and the fact that the same person designed an anim- well animated uh, guy animated Rolento, it just makes so much yeah. sense.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, oh my gosh. Let me let me blow your mind just uh, just with one more fact. Another sprite okay. animated by this guy was Magneto in Children of the Atom. Oh no! Way. Oh
3: my
2: yeah. God.
0: So you did the oh, those are my favorites. Magneto. Yeah. Oh, this dude did all your
1: favorite 2 uh, CPS He Did spread. all my
2: favorite yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's
0: amazing?
1: it's some beautiful my it's system. some beautiful sprite work yeah. as well. It really is. Yeah. Like, oh my God. The amount of time that it takes to be able to condense all of the like you know, artistic skills and abilities that you need to be able to make any kind of art in general. It just trying to translate any of this into pixel art at that you know higher level. It's very, very, very hard to do. And then to animate all this as well. And yeah, it's just it's amazing looking at these games. It's like looking at you know like living like museum pieces. It's just beautiful. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think um, something that this artist does does particularly well is uh, legs. I feel like that's where you can sort of see the connection between all mm-hmm. the characters, um, like Magneto or that yeah. guy, because they they have really expressive, really nicely drawn legs, and they're not like. Um, uh, if if you look at a lot of sprites in the early uh, you know early to mid '90s, um, they're still fairly old school. They can be like kind of chunky, kind of sausage-like. They have their own charm, you know. But like this dude drew legs with like a classical art sensibility. Like they really like um, have these amazing lines of action, and the volumes really yes. change depending on the angle and how it's flexing. Yeah. And
2: yeah, this, yeah, like Berlinto's. Uh jumping roundhouse or jumping heavy kick and then comparing that to his standing roundhouse or his slide like you can see how that someone really how they really understood how to make these shapes express uh particular sensibilities about these moves and um you know i mean i i'm I'm gushing here i'm not even gonna lie man like these are because these are things that inspire me to this day in my own art and uh, it's great to see that there was like a synergy and a specific direct focus uh, with the way that their animations were approached, um, the way that their attacks were created. And um, again, this just goes back to the whole idea that like, you know, I really love Final Fight, and I think secretly I love Final Fight more than Street Fighter itself. <laughs> oh. <Whoa>. so... <laughs> just
0: That's not that secret to me. That's <laughs> <laughs>
2: But, uh, no, I, I I love Relinto. Like, I've, I've loved him uh, since Final Fight and into this day. I'm, I'm one of those people that I don't care if it makes sense or not. I'm always happy when he's in the game. Like, uh, yeah. Very cool.
3: Okay, who's next? Who's next? Okay, so I'm going to take us down a, a left. I'm going to take us on a left turn. Let's do it. Uh, a left turn down the road. Uh, and I have... I have actually not talked to my my co-host here about what I am about to talk about, but all of them Uh-oh. react well. So I actually... Some of my favorite characters ever in fighting games are from a game called Red Earth. Oh, uh, yes. uh, oh So I needed to talk about it in this episode. So I don't know, like in terms of favorite characters, uh, so if... Um, I think it's in, in America, maybe it's called Warzard, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Richmond? Yep. I don't yep. know. But... Uh, so, so it's a fighting game, but it also has like a really good story mode. And I think I more want to talk about, even though I think all the characters are really amazing, is probably talk about uh, Kenji, my favorite ninja design yeah. of like ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, the best. So yeah. uh, I mean, there's there's so many good characters in this game. Uh, I like so the four main characters that you can play as as part of the story mode and not the fighting one is uh, Kenji, uh, My Ling, Leo, and Tessa. I don't know what their Japanese names are. Those are the uh, English ones. Uh, so, but so Kenji is a is a ninja, but he is the best ninja that I one of my favorite ninjas because he's not he's not wearing black or anything. He's wearing like this beautiful like blue and yellow. Uh, he's got one of the most Capcom designs I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know how to explain that other than <laughs> other than to say uh, it it just makes sense when you see him. Like he's got like a. Uh, uh, what's the word like his he's got this it's like
1: very yeah.
3: He's got this almost like Gundam looking like uh Tiara on over his mask. Uh and, and also like he was so he was in Red Earth, of course. Uh and he was also in uh Capcom Fighting Jam, which we don't want to talk we don't need to talk about. Oh but, no, we do need uh, to talk about that. <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> uh anyway it's like it's it's like one of those things where uh, he, I always gravitated to, to him just because like he, like I said, it's just, it's not what you normally think of, uh, of a ninja. And he, his anime, like, oh, honestly, if you go back and look at it, the animation for Red Earth is so good. Yeah. It's so good. I don't even, uh, I, I don't, and, and, and look, this is also one of the ones where like the, um, I'll probably post this later on Twitter, but just like the, the way they do the character select screen really like, uh, kind of, like, the way that it works is that they're all kind of in these, like, epic poses. um, And you kind of select each one, and they move forward. And his just, like, drew me. I was like, I need to play this character immediately. Uh, Like, really kind of bold, out-there design. Like, his... uh, He he has a little bit of that that energy from, uh, um, like, Strider, where he has the scarf, although the scarf isn't quite as uh, aggressive as part of his gameplay. But, I don't know, just... uh, uh, I'll, I'm, I'm more just kind of gushing about how good the character is, so uh, I just wanted to kind of bring us to, to Red Earth to talk yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're still talking about how Capcom has some of the best character designers in the world for all eternity, but,
0: you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just want to back up some of the stuff you said. Um, like, you, you were talking about the uh, the V-shaped thing on his head, right? That's the uh, my my date. I think that's what it's called for samurai helmets. So. Um, uh, you'd think, oh yeah, you know, that's that's just part of like Japanese helmet design. But um, uh, you, you compared it to Gundam. It was actually specifically inspired by Gundam. Um, uh, do, do you remember when when uh, we went to uh, the uh, Japan Japan Expo? In I want. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Daigo uh, Kenno was there uh, speaking years and years ago. And um, I remember he actually talked about... Uh, he was talking about Akivan, what a great character designer he is. And he said um, Kenji was specifically uh, fashioned after the Gundam. He he wanted to turn the Gundam into, like, a human. And uh, that, that was the concept behind Kenji, the coolest ninja ever. Um, yeah, they, they did mm-hmm. such a fantastic job. And, dude, I love that scarf. Um, I studied the hell out of that I, I actually learned how to animate cloth uh through studying that scarf animation um uh hopped on fighters generation and like downloaded the awesome. uh, sprites and i just looked at them frame by frame um it's so beautifully animated uh, i know strider is also amazing one of the coolest sprites but uh they took like they took it to another level with Kenji. like the the cloth animation there is so good it's 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 wonderful such yeah yeah one of the best sprites
2: ever <laughs> there's so many interesting things about uh kenji i think his japanese name is mukuro but most people know him as kenji uh he has a lot of I mean, he's a ninja right but like he also has like moves that you know he has a gun damn near like a cannon and he's got a chain and something about the fact that these moves you know these weapons look like they're so dense and heavy And you would think that it would make for uh, conflicting sort of sensibilities for animation. But somehow they still move just as graceful as his scarf. You know, like all of the attacks that he has still have that. Like they feel dense and they feel strong. But they still feel so cool and elegant like in terms of how they're orchestrated. And uh, like that's something that I really enjoyed about uh, Kenji. Like when I was a kid and I saw him, I was like, yo, this is like the evolution of Strider. Like this is, this is like, you know, taking it to a different level. Like I still got love for Strider, don't get me wrong. But, (laughs) uh, you know, Kenji definitely is a is a, a work of animation that definitely should be still talked about to this day
1: absolutely i just wanted to say this as well very quickly like i've just been looking at a whole bunch of kendry's like you know separate moves and animations and it just sparked in my mind another character who's very cool and also very similar in terms of being a ninja well not even just like not just a ninja but like having very like ninja-like movements and really fluid and flashy animations that would be like bike iteration in a uh, guilty gear like rev 2 like there's so many interesting moves here but also a lot of just like similarities in terms of like having a gun utilizing chains with like sickles at the end and like having a really big like you know like far-reaching slashing like heavy-ass move like she has so many really cool and interesting like traps and tricks that she utilizes and like kenji's very similar too but obviously with kenji coming first i was wondering like hmm could this be a possible like inspiration perhaps like i don't know but yeah like interesting. i I think so i think so because uh I, I
0: always yeah. I never made this connection before, but I always thought that a uh, jam uh, from from Guilty Gear X must have been inspired by uh, the, the the Chinese character from Red Earth. Uh, what what was her yes. name? Jam? Was it like uh, Mai Ling? Uh, my
3: Mylene. Mylene. My my yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 She has a very similar feel, especially her yeah. her
0: attitude and personality. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Similar stance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, similar moves. Yeah.
1: Very much, sir. So. Very much. Yeah, I so. never
0: made the Baikin connection though. The more I think about it, they—they, they, yeah, because they—they're both. Um, they have the Japanese theme. She's a samurai. He's a ninja. But
1: they—they uh, um, they
0: both feel. They really both happy. utilize so
1: many. Yeah, ex- exactly. They both have m- moves that like utilize their their weight in an interesting way, and also, like I said before, like with regard to the whole, like, you know, having such a not just like a small gun, but it's also like a it's like a cannon of sorts that it, sh- it shoots out such like, a large round. It's not like a, it's not a short like small pistol. They both will have to post it, but like I think Kenji pulls out like a it's a it's it's like a handgun that's like the size of his body, and he needs like two arms to hold it, so it's like it's very odd. And then like Bae can also she she's a character with one arm, but she she uses that obviously to hold the gun, but the way that she the way that she rests it, she rests like a part of like of where her other arm would be holding it underneath for the grips near, near the trigger. Like she holds that part with her leg. If you're actually having a look at it, she she has to stand and kind of like lean it against herself. To kind of steady it and then she shoots it she doesn't hold it in a normal way obviously to you know account for the disability that she has but again she can utilize this because of that specifically so it's really interesting just the way that these characters take similar things and similar aspects of you know fighting and then they have their very own unique ways of you know expressing that and utilizing these weapons very, very my- cool
3: my understanding, which is also pretty cool, uh, I don't know the details of this, but I, I believe this is correct. Which is, it would seem kind of like anachronistic for ninjas to be using weapons like this, but I believe the style that both uh, like Kenji and can have around the time those would have developed, things like flintlocks and other types of uh, gunpowder-based weapons mm. would have been actually part of their uh, their armories. Uh, yeah. So it's it's not even it's not even like a crazy fantasy thing. It actually works pretty well.
0: Um, yeah, Definitely. I, I mean, uh, gunpowder gun was invented in China, spread throughout uh, East Asia, um, and then uh, 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 Japanese had had bombs. Actually, uh, they, they, they uh, after the, the failed Mongol invasion, they uh, picked up uh, gunpowder bombs from them too. So there's a historical precedent for for all these uh, references.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: so, I, this is also one of those.
3: Or I'm just talking about how much I like Kenji, but it, like, I really do recommend everybody like go later and look up recordings of Red Earth and playthroughs, especially with Kenji. Like, when you're watching some of the boss fights, because the story mode is mostly boss fights, you, you'll you'll have that moment. It's it's almost a 3 a.m. moment where you're like, does this exist? Does this oh, really? Yeah. It really holds up really well, and some of the animation is mind blowing. What they're actually doing, because like the characters. Most of them have multiple elements on them. Uh, I shared a link in chat. I'll probably put on Twitter later. Where there's one uh, boss that has like a large sword that has individually rotating parts, mm-hmm. um, and like that's not even the only thing that's moving. And like when you're watching, when are when you're you're, and there's also. Um, one of Richmond's characters to play in fighting jam when you're fighting Hauser, which is a, yeah. a very well-designed uh, like T-Rex style dinosaur. Like when you're watching like Kenji fighting him as an example of two different, very styled characters, it works together so well. It's so cohesive. You can really, uh, you could, you you could imagine an anime with like Kenji jumping around him and sliding underneath him and like jumping off the back of this dinosaur while he's charging him and stuff. And, the animation and the art is so good in this game that it doesn't age at all. It just looks—it looks like you're watching a show. It's—it's uh, it's so good. Uh, I love Earth so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just—I just in a gift that of Kendry, like literally just um, like uh, pile driving. Also, yeah. so suplexing is the word. A So he just picks up this gigantic uh, dinosaur and just like dumps him on his back. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So cool.
0: And it looks correct. It doesn't look awkward. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't question it. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, fun fact. Uh, Warzard, uh, I think that was the first uh, CPS 3 game uh, before before mm. Street Fighter uh, 3. This was Ooh. the one they made to, to really show off the uh, capabilities of the system. Um, because at that point in time, it would have been uh, 3D was already becoming the de facto standard for games, and I think Capcom was trying to really double down on uh, on 2D. They just wanted to, so, you know, show people like, "Hey, there's still life for sprite-based games," and uh, they've made this new <clears throat> this new arcade board that um, had, at the time, unprecedented uh, sprite capabilities. You know, like uh, up until then, their sprites had been up to um, uh, 16 colors. I think at max and one of those colors had to be transparency so actually all those street fighter 2 and alpha all those cps 2 games like they're only 15 color characters and then um cps 3 was like up to 256 and uh just ridiculously like huge detailed super smoothly animated sprites it was awesome um if you guys don't mind i guess i could this is an easy segue for one of my favorite characters which is uh hauser um he uh so he wasn't playable in warzard warzard was just like a boss run for the most part there were four playable characters and then a story mode which was just like a gauntlet of like giant boss monsters um but I, i i always liked hauser hauser was one of the first um Enemies that you fight. I think if you're Leo, the lion man, he's the first guy you fight. Hauser in the game is spoken of as uh, a legendary dragon, right? They don't call him a dinosaur. They don't know what dinosaurs are. He's he's a dragon, but he looks like a like a T Rex, except he's got like. Um, like chicken feet he's got like sort of scales on his yeah, feet, bird like feet. A bird. yeah bird feet yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah he did have bird feet, and he's got like interesting like kind of sort of ram horns and he's just got this um i don't even know what to call it uh this like a fin running down like his head down his back and um he's just such a fun character and he's, he's got these two tiny little like vestigial uh, wings on his hips and uh he's so cool but so like fun and funny at the same time like uh mm-hmm. it, it's it, he uh right right so so he didn't actually become playable until uh, years later um in uh, capcom fighting jam which was the last i think that was the last 2d fighter that capcom ever made um so yep. that came out when oh man when sean and james and i were in college And um, at the time, the Capcom Fighting Jam is not a well-regarded game. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's like uh, people do not, people don't even speak of it anymore. Like they pretend like it didn't happen because I I think it was kind of seen as like a cheap cash-in. It was like uh, the the game was a collection of uh, just characters from uh, uh, Capcom's various games it it was basically capcom versus capcom rather than versus marvel uh they just uh, had characters from their own games but um i loved it because at the time it was the only way to play the warzard characters at home the, this game to this day has never been ported to home systems and at the time uh, uh it wasn't even emulated the uh, cps3 was notoriously difficult to uh, to crack uh, via emulation uh w- w- which was also one of the selling points actually um It was really hard to bootleg uh and then okay like i have so many fond memories of capcom fighting jam because of the inclusion of the warzard characters and and hauser who was never playable to begin with they they uh uh they actually figured out a really fun move set for him like uh he 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 became a charge character i i've always had a fondness for charge characters and um he wasn't a top tier character at all (laughs) Because he's gigantic, he's one of the biggest sprites they've ever done. He, he, I think he might be even bigger than Juggernaut, and he—he's just like a—he's definitely, bigger than, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's definitely yeah, bigger than Juggernaut. Yeah, he's definitely bigger than Juggernaut. So he's just a giant punching bag because he—he's not fast. Um, he doesn't have great priority. <laughs> and Like, oh my God, I used to have grudge matches with uh, Latif—he'd play Jetta and I—I would—I would play. Uh, you know I'd, I'd be hauser and it, it, it was a moral victory if i could take even like a single round <laughs> but
3: um i, I feel like uh, capcom fighting jam is kind of like the the taco bell of fighting games like it's not good but it's good it's really it's such a fun game because it the way that it um mixes the characters together um uh, i i also have fond memories of playing richmond's hauser um and also to, to mention, we talked about a like, Guy is also in this game, and I actually really love playing Guy in this game. Not because it's the best version of Guy, but because it's really fun to fight a dinosaur with Guy.
2: Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. this is true. This is true. Uh, one, one side note I was going to quickly add here. Uh, I know Richmond mentioned uh, where Hauser is on the tier list, and he's absolutely correct. Um, I say this because there was an actual combo video made... Uh, for Capcom Fighting Jam, and Hauser had specific combos that people could do on him and only him. And they were the most devastating and disgustingly (laughs) incredible combos in this game. And um, I'm going to link it in a second, but uh, yeah, like Hauser was just basically like the best Christmas present to a training uh, mode nut like me or anybody else who does this. And uh, that's basically what he became um fighting Game has a weird uh history um it's it's a it's a peculiar game where it was one of the first not the first but it was more notably in japan that like arcades only carried that game predominantly because it was going to be in super battle opera and the moment that that tournament was over in japan those games were removed oh my god like it literally was just like, all right, we know Super Battle offers coming up. We know that people are going to come here and play this game. They're going to have tournaments in it because they're going to be competing. So here you go. And it was like the moment that SBO was over, you didn't see those machines unless you went to somewhere like uh, – I think like TRF or Mikado Game Center. And even then, like they didn't stay there very long. So yeah. the game is kind of just, I, yeah. Kind of, I, have, of I, have like. a, I
3: have a relevant story though, that's uh, also from college. So we went to, I forget the, the name of the tournament. It's in Atlanta, um, but we went to it. Uh, it's, it's a big tournament. Oh, I think uh, I remember this. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh I think Richard knows where I'm going with the story. Yeah. So one of our friends that uh we used to hang around with uh Chad who is a very uh talented artist was also a very good uh uh fighting game player. And I remember that for whatever reason the year we went uh that we went to the this tournament they had uh, Capcom Fighting Jam as a, a thing that you can enter, which, by the way, I entered and made it in two rounds, which is yep. not the point of the story, but I'm proud of it <laughs> because I didn't get knocked out the first round. But I remember awesome. I watched oh. this match. So Justin Wong entered this mat, this, this tournament for some reason, um, and there was a point where uh, Chad came came up against Justin Wong later late in the tournament. Um, and so he was playing so i don't know if y'all know but like the breakdown of this is that basically there's four characters from every from like doc soccer's street fighter street fighter alpha so um i'm pretty sure justin wong was playing like bison or ryu or something like that and uh chad picks karen yeah he's like what (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then he he beat him um no uh, I, I don't know this
0: is the that's really the end of the story i was just, um, just oh, no, no, no. watching no, go, go ahead. he actually got justin wong to switch to karen too like it, it became he because i think chad surprised him and then I, I think he like was like okay i i need to beat this guy with his own character like it it, it, it was it was one of those like uh you know like comic book moments where like it was like oh
1: like i can't believe he
0: just drew blood on, on justin Wong. <laughs> that's,
1: it. that's one of my favorite things just in fights it, it's when yeah. the it's when the mystical opponent gets a punch landed on them and then yeah. we all find out that, that that they're human again do you know what i yeah. mean like yeah, yeah. and then everyone's like Ooh, why did you see that or what's gonna happen now like yeah, yeah. It, it's quite um it's quite amazing just to see how how that happens in so many different areas of life, and yeah. especially fighting against someone like Justin Wong, who, if you don't know, Justin Wong is one of the foremost, um, uh, most pop not not only just most popular, but like one of the best fighting game players ever. He's been like a reigning champion for a vast period of time in the past, as well as an incredibly accomplished person just in that entire sphere. If you would like to just definitely check out the, uh, the Evo moment, like 37, which is, a, which he was a part of. And yeah, there are lots of reasons as to why he's still spoken about today as well as being such a fantastic uh, fighting games, uh, compare, uh, and champion in many regards. So yeah, he's, he's great.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I have to, I have to say this just because I know, uh, I remember when Chad actually reached out to me cause I wasn't at this tournament, but he told me what happened and <laughs> I just remember being shocked and amazed because, uh, you know, when I first met Chad, like he was pretty good at street fighter and we used to play for like a billion hours a day. And, um, I remember like, I, I told him one day, I was like, Hey, do you want to learn alpha Two? He's like, yeah, sure. That game's cool. And I joked with him. I was like, I could probably teach you that game in like two hours. Well, I taught him that game in two hours. (laughs) And he went to a tournament with me, right? And he got second place. I got first. But (laughs) like, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, did I create a monster? Like, because he was good at Street Fighter. Don't get me wrong. He was good on his own. He had his own like tool set and how he approached the game. But I remember... We played a lot and he would you know, we would talk and all this and he got more into it on his own But like I just remember like I taught him alpha 2 and he was just like nah, man I can beat every I don't care who you are I can beat you in this game. So when he told me that he Beat Justin in fighting jam. I was just like holy crap. It was like it's like what if what have I what I I done? Uh, In terms of like my own interactions with him, uh, he used to come to our arcade and take our money uh every month uh, back in Virginia when he used oh, really? to uh when he was yeah, he was like really young. He was like 16 or 17. And uh he would take the Greyhound and he would uh he would take every game, uh especially Marvel Two like just easily, like effortlessly. Um but I remember uh one time it was a few years after he had won the first MVC two tournament um at Evo, because he won B5 first when it was Battle by the Bay. But uh, I remember playing him in cvs2 and um you know he beat me but the biggest accomplishment that i got and i still hold on to this to this day was that i made him say kill was cheap <laughs> <laughs> <In CBS2. laughs> he was just like he was like kill was cheap i did like a throw setup on him like uh like almost like a pseudo like third strike throw and i like took out one of his characters um this was like after i fought him in tournament once And I almost, I almost beat him. And one of my friends yelled out something to the equivalent of that block string Rolento is negative and he punished it. And I was like, you, (laughs) I was so, so upset, but I played super well that tournament. Like, so I didn't even care that like he beat me, but it was like, I did stuff on him consistently. And it was just like, Oh my God. Like I was like, I'm kind of good at this game. Like I'm kind of good at CBS too, but uh, yeah. Like, um, justin is one of those people that like you know if you ever get a chance to just watch him play uh his understanding and passion about fighting games uh to me is like unrivaled uh outside of like you know tomo or hero from like back in the days in cali like in the like late mid 90s or early 90s i guess with like Shoeba Street fighter 2 turbo um and like Vae and like watson like he um because he kind of came up under them, you know what I mean? Like, in a way, like, like like Vi was kind of already older, but, like, he kind of had that old-school vibe. He grew up in the arcades, so that kid really understood stuff. So, yeah, like, uh, yeah, the fact that Chad beat him in Fighting Jam is, a, well, he, is an interesting I, story.
0: I, I want to clarify. I think Chad took, like, a round. He didn't, um, yeah, he didn't actually win. Oh, yeah, he, he, didn't he didn't actually win. He, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs>
2: he, took, he took a round... But we, you know, hey, we take whatever victory that we can yeah. when you're fighting. Uh... Uh, uh, to be fair, no, he took a,
0: he took a game because right. he did. Yeah, he did beat him. No, no, you're yeah, are right. 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 You're right, you're right, he did. No, he beat he him. Like, that's, no, that, yeah. That's Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean, he did, not the whole set, but he did beat him. He did properly beat, um, yeah. Like a, yeah, like man, a one I of three type play. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah i remember they locked eyes and then he picked after that he picked karen he's like yeah we're doing this that's oh my gosh <laughs> that was a great moment i i just want to throw out real quick sean and i are also uh two of the top ranked um capcom fighting uh jam players in america not because we're the best but because there was only ever one ranked tournament and less than 10 people entered. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, wow that's, that's so that cool! Awesome. That's I feel kind of honored to know to you guys.
3: <laughs> and uh, uh, oh, for for our listeners in America, it was actually called Capcom Fighting Evolution. All right, uh, yeah, but yeah. I prefer to call it Capcom Fighting Jam because uh, I think it's a better, a slightly cooler name. Yeah. yeah, it also
1: sounds better phonetically. Uh, it's cool
3: but but uh y- yes um w- w- i think both of us uh, made it uh multiple rounds into the tournament uh i was pretty sure i was going to get eliminated and, you know immediately but I'm, I'm pretty proud that i didn't uh, despite the fact that um it's awesome not, i played i played guy a one trick guy as much as i could that's that's
2: my one trick oh that's even better that that that
3: touches my heart yeah it's just um it, it's one of those things like if you're going to lose you might as well play guy <laughs>
0: very true yeah and i i, I represented hauser of course All, always, always to this day i remember when we played it
2: and you were just like nah i'm playing hauser i don't care Because i think i remember one day i was like yo his heart box is fat as fuck man like <laughs> just be warned and then it was just like
0: <laughs> yeah but you but the fact that you represented him it was always cool to see uh i just want to say real quick it, it the way they adapted him to a fighting game was actually pretty fun i I thought um they they made his moveset work and uh they they integrated the warzard uh systems really well like um so in the arcade game you you could actually level up and get more powerful um between uh fights but of course um the, they translated that into the fighting game by letting you uh, use your meter to level the character up. You you, you could uh, charge them up, and then they would you know be able to like take more damage. And I, I think I have like less uh, chip damage and stuff like that. Um, it, it was very well thought out. They also had a fun counter system for for the Warzard characters. Um, uh, if for if for some reason. Uh...
3: Our listeners hate themselves and want to actually look up the videos of these matches this was from final round 20 in atlanta uh i believe it was 2000 march 2017 oh my so god it is no. possible to find a video of all the stuff we're talking about for Are some you serious? reason
0: that's online mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <cool>. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it is i actually i actually remember watching it well, it should still be there yeah if you if you want to see me take last place as hauser uh, go go look up those videos <laughs> yeah
3: Did did Justin Wong actually win? I don't actually remember if he won the... Uh, I think that he
0: did. I'm almost certain did.
2: I'm trying to remember if Combo Fiend and Bucktooth were there. Because I think those guys were top three, so either one of them may have gotten first. But I think Justin got first for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he felt like a big fish
1: in a little pond there. Yeah, it's really so cool as well because, like, when we think about these characters, it's the fact that like they've all kind of you know brushed shoulders in a sense already. Do you know what I mean? Like they they they've already existed in games together. There are actually ways that you can play as multiple characters from different franchises together, and you get to see them in action together as well. Like it kind of reminds me of something which I'm going to transition into right now. Um, it's a it's a game that isn't again very well regarded, but it's one of my like older favorite games that I used to love playing. It's, a, it's Street Fighter Cross Tekken like really really like fun and enjoyable for me like personally i wasn't like a massive fan of the gem system and everything else like that but one of the characters in there uh, dudley that one of my absolute favorite characters from anything ever uh, a wonderful um boxing character oh, yeah, exactly. who doesn't fight yeah, yeah. yeah who, who doesn't fight disrespectfully he's always you know someone who's gonna try and um not only just like be respectful toward like an opponent but they'll also like try and make sure that the fight itself will be kept clean. So like that's one thing. Of, one thing that he always says is like he says, "Um, let's fight like gentlemen." Like Dudley is a stereotypical like English boxer in one sense, but in another sense, he has a sort of a, a ruthless nature to him. In in a sense that sort of speaks to how just good he is at fighting itself. So he doesn't even have to try and cheat. He doesn't even have to try and be unfair. He will just beat you because he's just better, and he will be like, "All right, let's do this fair, let's do this square. All right, I'm still going to beat your ass, but like, I'll compliment you at the end, and I'll be kind to you whilst I do it. It's it's another kind of, you know, it's another kind of interesting." uh mixture that a lot of fighters do have and he's uh, he's based on um the actual you know a uh, british uh, boxer chris eubanks uh senior not junior and uh yeah that. like yeah yeah he is indeed he used to wear like a monocle and a top hat and he used to come out to fights to a lot of different you know uh, types of music and stuff but yeah 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 it's it's true but also um one other thing which i really really love about it uh, about him uh he has a move and he he's able to throw a rose like, across the screen, and if it hits you, it's, it's a taunt. For, it's a taunt of his. And if this rose hits you, he's able to do um, some more damage uh, on his next attack. On his next, I think it's I think it's one. Um, I think that only happens one time, like per round, I believe. But yeah, like he's just a really really cool character. His design's absolutely great. He is hailing again from England like myself. And he is, yeah, just a really great character that I've always enjoyed and always will continue to enjoy. He's great. Also his cross-counter move, I want to mention that as well. He it's kind of, it's like a faint attack where he like allows you to hit him and then like right as the attack connects, his eye glows white. And he sort of like, you know, it's like a it's like a nothing personal kid kind of a meme. Like where he sort of like teleports behind you, like hits you kind of a thing. But like he does like a speedy dash through you and his sprite in third strike obviously it's where i first um really got into him even more i played him first in street fighter 4 but I ended up getting really into the character when I started playing with my friends. Uh, shout out Rochelle and James with the uh, Street Fighter Third Strike love. But yeah, like we we would have hours and hours of play where they'd either be beating my butt or I'd be beating their butt. But we'd just have a ton of fun. And I used to play Dudley all the time so much so that we had a thing where that I'd say before I'd play them where I'd say I'm going to give you guys the duds. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, we we <laughs> yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd get it. We'd, yeah, we'd get into it. Yeah. So basically, they'd be like, Oh, who are you playing? Like, who, what's gonna happen i'm like oh you already know what's happened. i'm giving you guys the duds today and like oh god damn it. i'm just gonna give us the duds again right Like, uh, yeah because i used to be i used to be okay with him but uh, yeah his moveset is one that really is so well tied into the character which sounds like a silly thing to say but when you look at dudley's moves and you look at the character himself it will make sense just his class his his dignified manner the way in which he even stands, and the way in which he his intro, for example, like he come he can come in on, uh, so it's, it's integral to his story. But he has a car that gets like stolen and stuff like that, and he needs to find it for his dad. But he comes in in another car. And if you if you change certain colors, like and you and you have a Dudley mirror match, and they're both you know, obviously they pick different colors. Two separate cars will pull up to to the stage where you fight, and Dudley will jump out of the driver's seat of the car, and then he'll say, "Right, let's fight like gentlemen." It's just like it's so it's just so distinguished and so cool. I've always I loved to, this character. I, and I, think I had one a third. very
3: quick aside before I know James is gonna jump in, but. Uh... To me, the the let's fight like gentlemen, like the idea of gentlemanness is so intrinsically tied to Dudley for me. I briefly did a website mm-hmm. called Gentleman Crochet, and the logo I did for it is I literally edited a fo- the 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 art from Third Strike with Dudley, and I edited a crochet hook into his boxing glove so that I could say let's crochet like gentlemen. But <laughs> just to, just to mention, like whenever I hear gentlemen or anything like that, I'm immediately like, this has got to be super classy, like Dudley. That's just that's that's who it is. That's what. Let's. That's
1: just. That's who's the gentleman. It's, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
2: yeah, he's he's a great character that uh, I, I, I kind of liked, you know, like initially in Street Fighter three, but I did not really play him until uh, later years, and uh, I remember picking him up, sort of just, just to play somebody different than who my normal mains were, and I remember, you know, some of my friends being like. I don't know if I like you playing this character. And I was like, well, I don't really know how to play him. But the problem was that I was also the person that could parry like supers, and people would be like, you know how to play this game. It's like, okay. But uh, I started to have a fond love for the character after like a long period of time. Uh, just the, he's, he's one of the characters in Third Strike that, I mean, as much as Third Strike does feel very uh, intuitive, um, Dudley felt like when you played him on a high level, he just felt like you were really boxing in a weird way. Like, uh, you know, there's obviously stuff that you don't do in real life. You don't whiff Stan in the corner and build meter in a real fight. But like in Hmm. terms of his movements and the nuance of his movements, uh, you create a particular type of momentum with him. And then there's times where you, you know, kind of stay away and you build meter and stuff. And it made me think about, like, the closest I would probably ever get to expressing that sort of uh, creativity within, like, a real quote-unquote fight. So uh, I have an interesting, like, synergy with playing him now because uh, people who know me, I've been a main of Ken for, like, probably, like, over 10 years, uh, you know, under the house of Deshiken. Um, But in recent years, I've been playing more Dudley recently, and uh, I've kind of, like, fallen in love with the character. Like, I think that... uh, just in terms of the type of expression that you can have with him both competitively and casually, uh, it, there, there's something, there's an air to him. Like, uh, all of his, I guess, sound bites when he's doing his normals, they sound strong, but like dignified, like it's hard to explain. Um, but, uh, I think that plays into, uh, more of the sensibility of like, like who he is. Um, you know, and I feel like we should talk about that. Cause, uh, you know, I think that that's something that, um, is, is is really interesting it's just to kind of talk about uh his presence um it's just like who he is i mean have you ever seen a well-built black englishman in a fighting game before street fighter 3
1: as was that even like a thing yeah that's that's you know? not what, so what, what i, I, I wanted like, to get into just a little bit yeah 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 it, it's amazing because like the, you bringing that up is it it's perfect there there have been some like issues regarding like representation in fighting games for a lot of black characters and in my opinion like there there are lots of great characters like out there but they often fall into some areas that i i feel aren't it's not that they're not it's not that they're not good it's just the fact that like they they just feel so typecast in so many ways for example being a bruiser being kind of like a bit silly or stupid or being dumb being somewhat like animalistic being part robotic like we see these things so often not only just in fighting games but in media overall we see this in cyborg in dc we see this in like birdie in street fighter we see this in so many different characters that are kind of just like almost just there for like the brawn. we see it in in barrett in final fantasy 7 we see it in we see it in so many different areas but they can at the same time still be well-rounded and like sentimental characters in their own regard but they still have a lot of the same types of archetypes that we, you know, know and are used to. Dudley, in my eyes, is a, is a character that I love very specifically because of his, not only just like aversion, but almost a rejection of these traits. He talks about dignity. He talks about, you know, fairness. He talks about his disdain for dirty fighting, very much to the chagrin of someone like a Balrog, who again, is, uh, you know, stereotypical in many ways, like uh, a black boxer who doesn't really care about the rules, who will spit in your face and the headbutt you. This isn't to, it isn't to say again that these are, you know, like bad things like overall in terms of like designing a, a striking or memorable character. But it's always important to remember, like, there are so many different ways to like express a character and to show who and what it is that they are. So it's not that it's not that we should have like less Balrogs, but I think that we should have room for making more Dudleys because there are a lot of characters out there who I believe could be like this, but they've not been, you know, they've not been pushed or they're just straight, just not been, not been created where I feel like they could have been. Like having again, like a Black British boxer. Again, we look when we look into like you know the the real world. With regard to fighting, black people have always been people who have had to fight in so many different ways. But also in the in the in the realm of like professional sports, with regard to boxing, we all know black boxing champions. We all know all of the people who have been so amazing in at pushing sports and at pushing, you know, not only just like sportsmanship like conduct, but pushing their own brands as well, then pushing their own um areas of like uh how can I even put it? Their own areas of, like, their own self-expression, if that makes sense, right? So, like, who is it that, that they want to be beyond being just a fighter? Another great fighter of, and one of my own, like, inspirations is an Anthony Joshua of the modern day. Do you know what I mean like a a, a champion a, a black British person who not only speaks truth to power but also does so whilst being uh, a polite whilst being a, a civilized a well-behaved person in general but also is someone who won't take any smack either do you know what I mean like you don't have to clean up your appearance so much so that you won't take anything back like you can still be who it is that you are but you can do things fairly and you can still be good enough to be better than everybody else do you know what I mean so yeah it, it's a character that I absolutely love seeing him as a Black. Englishman even though he has the uh the very peak you know the sea blue eyes it's, it's it's funny actually I say with my friends if they really wanted to be quite um you know like stereotypical with the design he'd have like white hair as well do you know what I mean and like that's something which we see very often as well but yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, but um it, it's really cool and I've always loved his character because of this his persona and the way that he you know carries himself the way in which like he not only just has different interests apart from fighting but like they actually are quite like refined in like in that he likes gardening and he likes pottery appraisal of all things do you know what I mean but like it this speaks to who it is that he is as a character that exists in a world he's from like a socialite class he's a professional boxer not only just because he had to do so for money but because he enjoys it and loves it You know what I mean? Like he's he's a character who defines and in in many ways sort of like redefines what it means to be a a fair fighter and what it means to be someone who's so confident in their ability that they will let you that 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 they will let you try and take a shot at them and then they'll dodge it and then hit you instantly. Like that takes a lot of skill and it's shown throughout his whole, you know, moveset and everything else like that. So yeah, Dudley is a great character and I think that we need more Dudleys. Yeah.
2: He's such an artful uh, character uh mm. not even just like in the game itself um and, and i i reference this manga from time to time and, and and i don't hesitate for people to read it but it's called ryu final um ryu encounters dudley uh in this manga and by far it is probably the most beautiful exchange i've seen between two passionate fighters outside of the Ray and yuda and like hokuto no ken fist and north star um the writer and creator i believe was masako nakahira um really just knew how to capture dudley's presence uh and as well as other characters but you know I, I bring up this encounter with ryu and dudley uh for for a particular reason um i remember reading it and it i i wasn't a dudley main at the time i just liked the character but in reading that uh something about it just felt empowering to the character like it it made the character that much stronger uh as as a design and as as someone that i enjoyed uh narratively and i and i feel like uh it makes you want to have more dudleys you know not to say anything against a balrog because you know he's an interesting character he's an iconic character but uh you know dudley was a breath of fresh air and you know dudley hasn't happened since that you know um so it would be nice to uh, see more characters that that fit that sort of uh, sensibility. And uh, you know, like I said, I will always say this. You know, if there's every ever any manga that anyone wants to read that is about Street Fighter three characters and Alpha characters, um, Ryu Final. It's 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 the closest you're gonna get to a third strike or an yeah. Alpha anime outside of the one that came out. Uh, but yeah, if you want to really see Dudley be Dudley, the most Dudliest of Dudley uh definitely read
1: that manga it's it's incredible i want to say one more thing very quickly as well like dudley as well he is very much like officially noted down as a jamaican english like champion and he is someone else who's based on another you know jamaican english champion it's chris eubanks chris eubanks senior but he also has a son in chris eubanks jr who's also another incredibly accomplished fighter and i think that um Having people, you know, very much rooted in the real world, it's just amazing. Just because, like, you have these people who you can very much see the parallels to, and then you get to see them, see a version of them and their sensibilities and their personalities existing in a fictional world, and like, it, it's inspiring in a sense, right? Because it's like you get to see parts of like what it is that, that you feel that you are. That's what us were talking about earlier. What's the thing that um, again, Martin Obama said? Like, we play characters because like they represent like parts of us. Like, not only just because, or we think that. They look cool that's another thing which we love like aesthetically which is also very cool and important and you know very very deep on many levels as well but yeah having someone who is what you are represented on screen in a positive light it's something that's important for everybody and i think that everyone should get to experience this and i hope that people do yeah Yeah, absolutely Yeah, definitely uh did um did sean want to talk about the cars (laughs)
3: <laughs> I, I was just uh i was going down the rabbit hole of how detailed dudley's character is um and i i discovered that um his jaguar or, or uh jaguar if you prefer that's how the, they say it uh the 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 red one is is named elena it's actually uh and there's the the uh um, aj mentioned the two of the cars um Pull, pull up based on wh- which side of it is, but apparently they're based on real cars. Uh, and I was saying that, that that might sound like not a big deal, but I actually I actually think that that kind of attention to detail grounds characters, kind of like what AJ was talking about. These, This isn't a made-up character. It's not a fantasy. Like There's things that are goofy about him because he's in a, a game that's really bombastic and over-the-top like Street Fighter. But uh, I don't know, having real cars and his stage being... Um, actually in in london and him being based off of a real fighter and having like these kind of details flesh out characters in a way that um i think makes it easier for us to connect to them as a as a believable like well-rounded character like the fact that he likes he likes gardening and and pottery like they they thought this this out he has a whole backstory they didn't need to do that he's a fighting game character um like he I, i think there's a like he he has background characters that come up when he comes on screen and, and whatnot i think he doesn't he um when he when he wins doesn't he get like fly away or something or isn't yes yeah,
2: yeah he either yeah. flies away or his butler
1: brings him tea yeah, yeah he's, <laughs> his, his, his butler brings him tea from a helicopter <laughs> and and you can see the yeah you can see the uh, the animation of the character i forget the butler's name but like he has like a really cool um, like mustache and like hairstyle and he's, he's holding like a pot of tea and, and some cups and he's like would you like some tea sir like after you just bad somebody it's hilarious yeah It's great yeah
3: and i i found a a screen from i think it's from one of his endings where he's talking about elena the car and he's like and it says like you know what an orchestral sound the symphony of the engine the soprano of the steering and uh it, it really like it's like again yeah, like, there's a lot of thought put into they just give him a, a fancy jaguar like they they spent a lot of time fleshing out the, the reality of this character and i i i feel like that's that's so important. Like so many, I I don't want to go off too much on a tangent about character design, but we are talking about characters. I think me and Rich, when we're talking about this as to like, why a lot of modern games that have a, a large cast of characters, like why do some of the characters not really land, you know, like um, a lot of the squad based shooters that are out there. Um, not that, not that I think that they're the designs are necessarily bad, but like I, I, if you put a gun to my head, I could barely tell you what the characters are in Valorant <laughs> um, or, you know, or like, to be honest with you, some of the ones in uh, like you know, the League of Legends or the whatever. Like it, again, not to say that people that like those can't like them or that they're not. Uh, there aren't a lot of artists that put a lot of effort, but I think you, this is when we talk about where like the the ingredients and the uh, the 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 things underneath how you build stuff. I, I have we Richmond have we told this story before about like um, Paul Hudson's class at SCAD where you had to like basically build a cat from the ground up, like like oh, muscles to, and everything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What's that? I I don't think we um I don't think we've directly mentioned we we've definitely mentioned Paul just because he was such a legendary professor for, for all of us. But please get into it.
3: Well also I I um I only experienced the second hand because I was never actually in his class, but many, many of my friends were. So I'm gonna brush over it and then I will let any like Richmond, you can jump in. But basically we had this excellent professor uh, in sequential art at SCAD where we went to college. Uh, me richmond and and james uh and there was a, a a class that was well known where again i wasn't in the class but my understanding was that you had to sculpt a cat and you you built everything from the ground up like you learned about anatomy you built a skeleton you layered the like the actual muscle fibers before you then actually finished sculpting sculpting the cat and like that, and in terms of looking at, like, Paul Hudson, the, the professor, like, some of his work out there, I think he did work for, like, NASA and North Face. And if you look him up, you can see he's got some really amazing art that just jumps out at you. But, but I, I, to me, it was always a story that relates to, like, just because you can't see a detail doesn't mean that it is important in crafting a real believable character or a real believable form. Uh, a lot of, like, what I've seen with people that are getting into art is you can't just copy something. You have to learn the 3d element of the, the object like you have to, you have to understand something fully so that you can re re represent it or that you can synthesize a new design and riff on it. And I don't know, I just, I think this is actually a good example, especially within uh, street fighter where they spent the time to like, it wasn't just throwing in a character or wasn't just like, Oh, we had this fun idea of a, whatever, let's make this archetype that they, they spent a lot of time basing it off of real people adding real cars, adding a, a backstory, giving um, giving the character depth. And I think it's, it's to say that you still feel those things, even if you don't know any of the things that we're talking about. So I don't know. I always thought it is, that's, that, that story always comes back to me around the, the Paul Hudson thing, around a very clear evidence of how how do you sculpt a real-looking cat? It's like, well, literally build a you know, cat from the ground up. The details matter.
0: So yeah, even the guts, he would like. teach you how to where to put the organs just so you knew they were there you couldn't see it um you know no one has x-ray vision but you could see how it would displace the muscles that would go on top of it it would actually still inform the final shape that you get um so yeah it's perfect perfect analog to this yeah absolutely I, I, I just want to add uh, you're talking about all these references in in dudley uh, another one a fun one um so one of his iconic moves special moves is the cross counter you know like uh, uh as aj described where he takes a hit but then he, he trades one with you um i think i'm pretty sure that was inspired by uh, ashita no joe the very very classic uh comic um, and also a, a great anime too. Um, and uh, the main character in that, his uh, one of his specialties was the cross counter. He was a really like tough as nails boxer, and he, he was just willing to, to trade with people because he, he was he was sure that he would hit you back even harder. It, it was a worthwhile exchange for him. Um, and it's interesting that they would put that into the character right they they'll they, um in addition to being based on um uh this this amazing real life uh, Brit- british boxer they also brought in this uh element from uh you know manga that might have been um to familiarize him uh with with uh, fans in japan probably would have caught that reference it, it's mm-hmm. building a character is like um I, I think it's like cooking, right? Like, you, you can't just throw a bunch of stuff together. It has to actually, like, fit, you know? Like, you, you can't just throw a, a ton of details and then just expect that to to work. Like, uh, all the characters that we've brought up so far, somehow all these disparate things, like, they, they just land. And it's like, uh, there's not really a formula to it. It's just you got to put it together and cook it the right way. And then you're like, oh, okay, yeah, that worked. <laughs> yeah.
1: Absolutely. I just wanted to have a quick, uh, just final little chat here about Dudley just a little bit more. Like just the way that he moves. I'm just looking at a bunch of gifts now. Like just the way that he stood, because he doesn't use his feet. fight he only uses his hands so the way he goes from like standing to crouching to jumping and the again none of these attacks that are hitting have any kicks to link them together like with most characters you for example with a ken you'd you'd expect like some kind of you know like a a few short low kicks to go into a bunch to go into you know a super for example you can link these things together but a lot of people they wouldn't expect this guy to just not be kicking it at all so just seeing him go up jump punch 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 go down punch 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 like just seeing him mix these things together is amazing but on top of all of that anyway and how good and how smooth those transitions are his own super moves as well i've just been watching these i'm gonna have to send in some gifs or some images or something but they are just so um kinetic they're so full of energy they're so full of this like dynamite power that he has in his hands he has one super in street fighter 4 where it lifts the character like multiple feet off the ground in like a final punch it's very much like. it's like Ryu Shinshura Yukin, in a sense where it's like a a 1-2-3 hit hit type of thing, only for him he goes in and he just hits you multiple times across the face with really just powerful cross punches where he puts his whole body into it, not just from a standing position, he leans across his whole body and you can see as he's punching you the character, they're just left in a kind of stunned state where all they can really do is just be hit by the next punch and the next punch and the next punch and the next punch and And it's just it's it's like an onslaught, It's, it's like a tidal wave of attacks and it's just it's wonderful to think that someone that can do this again can be so you know refined and then chill right afterwards so much so that they would like throw a rose at you or drink tea do you know what i mean it's just it's amazing to see these yeah. things mixed together so well yeah, yeah. I, but, um,
3: before we oh go ahead sorry. We're, we're, i just want
1: to say real quick i, I think uh, you guys
0: uh, shared an image from uh, one of his endings from the later games where he's um He's, he's like drinking tea and he's still got his boxing gloves on. But like mm-hmm. he, he, <laughs> he looks so elegant. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a joke. Yeah, there's no <laughs> formula to it, but yeah. it's like somehow
2: certain things just have a uh, particular synergy where they're just quietly or sometimes just audibly amazing, even if there's no sound. You know what I mean? Like the fact that he can be dignified with boxing gloves on like that is a signature thing for his character anybody else doing it it would come off as silly or like weird but with dudley it's a very specific feeling where you're just like, no, that makes sense. That is the character.
3: You you don't question it at all. He drinks the no. tea like the 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 finishing animation where he catches his jacket. Like you don't even question how he's doing all that with a glove on. It just works.
0: Oh, I love that animation. The the the
1: cloth there, the way it whips around. Mm-hmm.
0: It's amazing. It's exquisite. Yeah.
1: It has but, a certain uh, kind of like kinetic energy to it, where obviously you know you can almost hear the kind of fabric in the air, like whoop. You can kind of imagine yeah. it, like.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> and before we move on from Dudley, I also wanted to mention. So we mentioned the thing when we were talking about Children of the Atom about the this this kind of like audio identity of fighting games that was kind of getting introduced yes. in. Yeah. And Dudley is one of the ones where this whole time we're talking about him, I can just hear what his moves sound oh, yeah. like. Um Like I don't know I I, just, I feel like we need to talk about like his like his sound identity is so strong. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Um... Every everything about all of the hits that he has, uh, even his voice acting. Uh, Francis voice actor uh, Francis Diakowski, uh did an amazing job in turning this character into like such a uh, iconic, uh, you know, sonic representation. Um, but yeah, like just the sound design of like when he's moving, uh, you know, all of his hits, you know, all of his attacks. Um, there's something really gratifying when you hear all of his supers. Like, competitively, one may be better than the other. That's fine. But just landing Rocket Uppercut, something about the timing of those three sequences of, like, spinning punches. Like, there's something about the timing of, like, one, two, the end. And it just, like, that spinning, like, it's like they took aspects of the Shaw Yorepa and the Shin Yukin, aesthetically and said well how do we make this the most beautiful looking thing ever and they did it you know like like something about that wind up of the the one the first uppercut spin and then the second uppercut spin and then he leans down so low it's almost like a hairpin uppercut you know <laughs> like like he's so low to the ground he's like gathering all the energy that he can and he just leaps up and it's like okay you, when you hear it you're like well it can't look that different but all of his posing is so different from Ryu and Ken that it has such a particular composition and aesthetic to it that is so beautiful uh, that it actually rivals the inspirations. You know, like, You Repa looks great. Shinryu Yukin looks great. But Rocket Uppercut, like, it just, there's something about the sounds that you hear, the rhythm of those sounds, you know, and the fact that when you mash the buttons, you get those extra hits depending on what game it is it gets you involved in it. So you feel it even more, Um, you know, even down to uh, just the way that the cross counter sounds like of him getting hit. And then the quickness of that, that second hit that he hits you with um, everything's just dignified. Even when he gut checks you like four to six times, like the sound that he makes when he's gut punching you, it just just sounds dignified. Like you, you almost are like honored to be gut checked by such a gentleman. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You know Definitely. um yeah like just everything about his movements and the sounds that they were created
1: for uh his attacks it's just it, it's so fitting absolutely and then one other thing yeah. as well that really does just mesh and just wrap all of this up as we're about to do like his theme like uh, you blow my mind from street fighter three third strike again i really would advise anyone to just to, to google this when we're when we're finished perhaps i'll we'll have to put out like a, a little list in the tweets when we when we finish that up but yeah like it's such a beautiful piece of music it has such a snazzy and snappy upbeat vibe to it it sounds like a summer's day like an like an afternoon. Do you know what I mean? Like sitting out, relaxing outside, like chilling out, and just you know having a really nice, just beautiful day. That's what it, that's what the music feels like to me. It feels like I'm sat out in the park with my friends. Like it's just it's such a really nice and upbeat, bouncy track that really has a beautiful melody to it as well. I think everyone should have it. Should give it a try. Yeah.
2: Fun fact that I'm going to add to what you're saying is mm-hmm. that is my Wednesday theme uh nice that actually gets me through the week um every wednesday morning i play that when i'm getting ready for work and it just mm. it puts me in the mindset of hey man you're almost to the weekend like like we're here we just got to get through the next couple of days and it puts me in a better mood uh i actually was like actually including some other people some other people started getting into it and they're like yeah man this mm. is the wednesday theme now for my life and these people don't play street fighter they don't play fighting games they're just like this is great music. It's and just it's good, good music, <laughs> yeah. Uh, a good feeling, you know. So I just wanted to add that. Like, it's really good, man. You should, if you've never heard it, definitely listen to them.
1: Yeah,
0: it's so good. Shall we um, just wrap wrap stuff up then?
1: I'm, mm-hmm. I'm cool with that. Does anyone yeah, Does anyone want to, there, uh, Does anyone want to mention any of the characters before we do?
3: I mean, I I have many I want to mention, but I think, like, it's better
0: to just have a on, like, on second part. Okay, yeah. okay. I think okay. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll do a
3: podcast two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a multi, yeah. yeah. It,
0: could be, yeah we'll, it could just be a regular series we do it for something time to time. Fun to come hmm. back to. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. All right. Um, to all our listeners, thank you. Uh, if, if you made it this far, thank you very much for uh, spending, <laughs> spending some time with us. Um, it's always a pleasure to record with y'all. Um, yeah, so um, my name is Richmond. I'm, I'm the host of uh, the Art Eater podcast. I also run uh, the website. You can uh, visit us at wwwartart eatercom um, So I, I post a lot of long form writing about uh, video games and, you know, comics and anime and movies and stuff on there. Uh, mostly video games Uh, that's that's the industry i work in um so and and i just love video games so it comes back to that a lot but uh really we can talk about anything um, yeah, so uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, um, you can check uh, out our uh, other older podcasts. Um, hopefully, we're on whatever platform you like listening to. You know, we're on Spotify, on Apple, Stitcher. Um, if we're not on, uh, if we missed one, uh, let us know. Just send us a message on Twitter. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Art Eater Podcast. That's A R T E A T E R. Uh, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, Art Eater Podcast. Uh, if you want to keep up with the latest podcasts, that's the best place to um, keep up to date. We'll uh, always uh, send out news on when uh, the latest one goes out uh, through through Twitter. Um, <clears throat> all right. And, uh, yeah, if you want to follow me, um, I'm, I'm on Twitter at uh, Richmond Lee. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-D underscore L-E-E. Um, I'm I- I'm on there way too much. <laughs> Just shoot me a line, and uh, you'll you'll probably get a response. Um, yeah. So uh, everyone else, uh, please uh, let let the listeners know how they can uh, uh, follow along, and uh, you know maybe mention if you're if you're up to anything anything cool that that that, that you know people might want to know about. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, well, this
2: is James Stanley. I am uh, the resident fighting game guy, I guess, for uh, Art Eater. Um, I also uh, do comics and storyboard work. I'm also the creator of uh, my own original uh, project called Part-Time Shuffle. Uh, Right now, I've been putting together a graphic novel for the first couple of issues. Um, I'm actually editing that as we speak, Uh, and I'm actually working on something else uh but I don't want to talk about that necessarily too much right now, but it is definitely something that is a interactive experience for people to play eventually. Um but you can find updates on all of these things on my Twitter, which is B-W-E-F-Y underscore K-U-N-O-C-H-I, that's beefy kunoichi. Um I've been posting a lot of fan art recently. I don't know where this confidence is coming from, but uh, I've been posting a lot of uh, like fighting game fan art. So uh, if you're into that, that's cool. And if you're into uh, things that influence me and uh, things that I'm putting that type of energy into the projects I'm working on, you can follow me there. And uh, like I said, you know, I usually retweet a lot of art eater stuff as well. So uh, yeah, that's me.
3: Uh, I guess I'll go. So uh, I'm John Borsky. Uh, You can, of course, uh, find me on Twitter at Daborsk, uh, D-A-B-O-R-S-K. As always, I'm always here. Uh, I edit the podcast. I uh, put it out and stuff like that. Uh, During the day, I work at a company called NZXT, or if you're in the UK or Canada, our our fans like to call it NZXT. It's a very fun way to say it. Uh, We're a PC gaming company, uh, so I I tweet and talk a lot about... uh, PC gaming uh, as well as like interfaces and UI so actually working on a number of long-form articles uh, right now uh, where I'll be talking mostly looking at things like color theory and uh, UX and games as well as writing a book Um, but mostly one thing I wanted to call it in terms of like what I'm doing a lot of recently is I actually started doing uh, a fair amount of uh, mentoring online right now so if you're someone that's interested in like getting into especially UI UX design or uh, design leadership, that kind of thing. Uh, you can find me on adplist.org. ADP I ADP, mean, I believe stands for uh, amazing design people. Um, so just, you can just look up Sean or NZXT is the easiest way on there. I'll, it's, it's of course on my Twitter. Uh, that's of course for, you know, uh, up and coming people, or you know, people that need help and, and stuff like that. I I also do a fair amount of consulting if uh, that's your jam, but mainly wanted to call it the, the mentorship work. So there's of course no charge for that as long as you can find time on my calendar. So um, that would be probably one of the things I'll be spending a lot more time on. Uh, Recently, so if you're going, again, if you're someone that wants to uh, get more into design or is trying to start your career or uh, wants help with an interview, uh, a lot of the stuff I've been doing has been portfolio review, preparing for interviews, uh, giving people tips on how to improve their their work and stuff like that. So I've been enjoying it a lot. Uh, so I wanted to call it out.
1: Uh, but yep, uh, that is me. Awesome. I'm going to hop through. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm Adam Mattis. I also go by AJ on Twitter. But uh, yeah, so I'm, you can find me online at, at AJMATTIS on Twitter. Yeah, so I'm a 24-year-old game level designer. I'm also a Taekwondo fighter and a champ. Uh, I've been—it's quite funny actually, because every time I do this, I try and think of something else to say to lead out with. But like, yeah, I'm literally just doing like the same thing every time with a slightly different twist. So as of recently, I've been—I've been, I've been um, doing some more commission work for people. I've been making a bit of artwork, a bit of pixel art and stuff. So that's been going really well. I've also been uh, working on. Some other ideas, I've started doing a little bit of like music writing as well with some new friends, which have, have, uh, you know, just sort of sprung up as of lately. So that's been going really well too. And because of, you know, obviously, I'm sure if people are listening to us around now, we're still in like, you know, COVID times, Hope everyone's doing okay. But I'm looking at getting back into, you know, training more again and getting hopefully, hopefully back into a gym soon. So we'll see how that all goes. Going to post some fighting life updates, maybe near the end of this summertime, maybe near near around there. We'll have to see how that goes. But yeah, so that's what you're going to hear from me soon more art if you like that hit me up on twitter i'll be um, retweeting and posting a lot of other people's good stuff as well so my own again soon and yeah we'll have to see how everything else goes i want to see more people coming through because i already have it's been kind of wild actually like some people come through and say hello and i'm like oh hi you from the podcast i'm like yeah and i'm like oh that's really cool thanks like yeah it's nice so yeah i just want to say thanks again for that and yeah hope everyone else has a really beautiful day night evening everything take care all right stay safe everyone Yeah, catch you all later. Everyone take care. Bye. Bye